When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, your host for the evening. And with me are two guests who are making their debuts on the podcast. Both members of FAB, the Fan Advisory Board. Um, I think both members of Seagulls Over London. You are as well, aren't you, yeah. Nigel? Yeah. And, um, and Albion fans, of course. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. Clive Steed and Mr. Nigel Summers. Thanks, Hello. Russell. Good to see you. Excellent. It's great to, great to meet up with you in a, uh, a, a cafe. A cafe, yes. It's a, a cafe, <laughs> isn't it, Clive? I think. Yes. That happens to serve beers. It looks <laughs> remarkably like a pub. <laughs> Um, yeah, we are in South London. Um, we are in the Stage Door pub, aren't we? Which is equidistant, well, it's Waterlooish, isn't it? Yes. Basically, around about there. And we're here to chat about various things. Fab, of course. I've got to get your views on all things to do with that. We'll have to talk about the Palace game, of course, as well. And um, any other matters besides. Um, before we start, though, in terms of those things, got to get your backstories as Albion fans, seeing as it's your first. Um, Podcast um, appearance. Um, I don't know who wants to go first. We go to each other. Yeah, well, you're also, I should mention, also, you're chairman of the Brighton and Albion supporters yeah, that's right, as yeah. well. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. never had so many jobs. <laughs> um, I noticed you do a bit of painting, I saw online. Oh, as well. I don't know what. Yes. Yeah, don't get me started. Nigelsummersart.co.uk, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I. Um, I'm, I am the chairman of the supporters club, and, and I have been for since 2019 because 2019 was my 50th anniversary of being an Albion fan. My dad took me in 1969, and um, yeah, I've pretty much been constant, apart from the Gillingham years. I didn't go to Gillingham. I completely lost the plot after Hereford. I just I couldn't. It's understandable. Isn't I it? couldn't face it anymore because yeah. we've done so much campaigning and and what have you. And mm. although I was relieved we got away with it. It wasn't the same club and everything, and uh, then I got talked back into it. My uh, <coughs> other half at the time had a word with Ian Hart and said, "Can you get him a ticket for the, whatever the championship game was at Wivedean?" And I was back, and now here I am, back more than ever. <laughs> so uh, yeah, fantastic. And when was your first game? Do you remember? It was Brighton against Barrow. Oh, the glamour! <laughs> yeah, two nil. Yeah, um, September nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. And, uh, what division was that? That would have been third the division. Third. I've never yeah. seen Brighton. Well, I've seen Brighton in all four divisions, but they were third division then. And the idea of going to fourth division—I mm. mean, you can call it what you like now—but it's still the fourth division. We know that. Yeah. Um, the idea of going to the fourth division never came into it. You know, we might—we're on the knockings of getting up a couple of times, but it was always third division. We are mm. were a third division club, um, but yeah. So it's yeah. and I've been. Uh, 
in it ever since and without jumping forward too far this is just the best we've ever seen isn't it oh without any doubt at all isn't it yeah. you know highest positions we've been in the best football we've been playing yeah. ever and obviously the fantastic surroundings we now play the yeah. football in yeah. and train and prepare for yeah. those games as well everything, everything is on the line yeah. it's superb well I used to think you know used to look fondly back on Alan Mallory 1977 yeah. used to think Gus Poyet yeah Chris Hewton got us a Premier League they were amazing things but this is absolutely unbelievable. It is on a different scale, isn't it? It is, absolutely. I find myself being consciously aware of the fact we are in a golden era and I'm yeah. consciously trying to absorb and retain and remember as much as I yeah. can about this, knowing that when I look back on it in years to come, if we ever decline <laughs> back down again, that we, we can look back on these times. Typical Brighton. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting the worst. <laughs> We must be safe from relegation this year. Yeah, right? almost. 35 is all, all but mathematical, isn't it? We but must be there. But the thing I think about in those regards is the kids. Yeah, exactly. They think, they think this is normal. Yeah, there's now, we're starting to get a generation of people who've only, who are probably old enough to talk about it in more detail and yeah. can only remember that uh, era. Because, you know, we've been, this is our sixth season in the Premier League. If you have a promotion season before that, you're talking about seven years worth of time, of good times, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Eight if you count. The miss, the near miss, the year before, which in terms of football and and results yeah. overall was brilliant. So we've had pretty much eight years of relative success. Let me tell you a story about yeah. kids, right? There's a friend of mine who I used to work with. I don't know they're born kids today. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Go on, yeah. He lives in Swindon, and mm. they are Swindon's season ticket holders. Yeah. And he still hates Adam Virgo, <laughs> his dad. He can't go over it. Yeah. And um, but his son and I went with him to watch Crawley against Swindon last season. And it was desperate. <laughs> and uh, so I said, you want to come and watch the Albion? And I say to Austin, his, his lad, he's eight or nine years old, I said to him, it's, it's great sporting Swindon, that's what you've got to do. I said, but you need a big club as well. His dad goes absolutely nuts. <laughs> so for the Liverpool Cup game, obviously you could get guest tickets. So he yeah. came up, mum and dad and Austin came up. Austin absolutely loved it. He says, this is, you know, he was all over it. He's got his sticker book, he's got handfuls of stickers, he's looking at Matoma in his book, and he's he's all about it. And his tech goes, you better not return him. I think it's more than mischief making it. Yeah, well, it was yeah, I would say it's disgraceful behaviour because it, it benefits the Albion. I think I'll let it go. Yeah. You see, back in the day, it wasn't that long ago that Swindon yeah. was us and we were Swindon. Yeah, yeah that's it. And yeah. now we are yeah. streets ahead of them. Yeah, you find yourself looking at other teams we've had rivalries with it divisionally like Reading and Cardiff I know they're yeah, exactly. only down in the championship but it's still they're both struggling yeah, Reading can't buy went away from home and they're yeah. low mid table every year Cardiff uh, tail spinning into who knows what apparently ownership everyone hates uh, Vincent yeah. Tan they're getting into a mess yeah. and it looks like I, I think they're going to go down looking at the patterns of what's happening yeah. in the championship another good friend of mine um, his, the best game he can remember yeah. is when Derby beat us 4-1 in the playoff semi-final Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, he's laughing then. Until recently, he could have said that about Middlesbrough, but they've gone on the up now. Yeah, they? My kids came to the Amex when it sort of first opened, and we must have been to 20 or so games and didn't see him win. Yeah. Losses or draws, mm. and uh, yeah, it's quite, it comes back on Facebook now. And there's just picture after picture of them with visible faces, <laughs> run out of pies, they didn't have any sweets, um, the football was terrible, we lost again, and uh, yeah, now um, I, I, I've got four tickets in our lounge uh, with a view that we take lots of people, 
and the kids might come occasionally and now they're fighting to, can we all come this week then? <laughs> you know, they absolutely mm. love it and why wouldn't you it's a joy to be there yeah, isn't it absolutely. The, the tables have turned even things like the the cut of the kits and the picture quality of the TV footage I know that was the same for all, all clubs but that just added an extra layer of depression <laughs> on the back on these things oh everything was ugly and horrible mm-hmm. back then and you know we had some good times I'm sure here and there but you look at our pitch compared to sort of Palace at the weekend I know yeah. they talk about it and been cut and yeah, you know, they yeah. cloud it especially so we could put, but yeah, you, you look at the Amex and it is just absolutely everything looks perfect mm-hmm. doesn't it yeah it's uh, yeah. You're only going to go down to Lansing, like you've been down to Lansing. And yeah. I have to go, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's talk about state of the art, I mean, it's an expression of the, the catchphrase, but it's mm. absolutely state of the art yeah. down there, it's fantastic. And so it's got to be easier to, when they were talking about transfer, we're never going to go and talk mm. about that. But if you bring a player over and say, here you are, this is Bournemouth Stadium, their training ground is out near Wimborne somewhere. Mm. And oh, this is the Amex, and this is Lansing. I mean, that, we're ahead end of the game, aren't we? Attracting players. Yeah. I know there's bigger clubs with lesser training facilities at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But, but, so one or two clubs we can mention, but you know, we're, I think it's about in the top three, yeah. three or four training grounds in, in probably in Europe, definitely in the country. But until is, Tony Bloom bought, built that place, we were the most yeah. embarrassing yeah it was embarrassing it was we've been through those years yeah but it's part of the long term yeah absolutely yeah, the, the he's always looking slightly yeah, beyond everyone else yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fantastic yeah, yeah. You, I mean you had potholes or whatever the grass equivalent of the potholes is on um, you know, on training pit or on the playing fields at the university well I know you don't um, uh, permit swearing on this oh no you can swear if you want no, no, I know you don't but I remember <laughs> Watching them train in Hove Park with dog shit everywhere, <laughs> and they yeah. used to Mark Lawrenson. Yeah, that's back in the yes. previous yeah. top division and days. Yeah. You talk to re, even reading uh, Brian Orton's autobiography. You yeah. know, pl- playing in Hove Park, yeah, across the road, and there's dog shit all over the pitch. I mean, imagine yeah. Vicente or you know Cucurea or whoever you want to name trying to put up with that. Wouldn't that would it? So it's it's. It's a, huge, it's a huge selling point. It does completely transform mm. certainly a number of elements as to persuading yeah. people to join. Yeah. And it's been we've 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 followed a, a really methodical, determined, slow grow pathway, haven't we? Yeah. Which is going to work in the long. It is starting to work mm. in the long term now. Being patient, biting your tongue, uh, hiding your disappointment when the likes of whoever it is spend money and get promoted. Bournemouth being one example, actually, yeah, spend money to, to get yeah, <laughs> to get promoted <laughs> one year. And, um, you know, while we've done things the right way, we've not broken our wage structure and then we've missed out on players. Mm. You've got your, what's his face that went to, uh, was it Norwich? Um, oh, yeah. What's his Pritchard. name? Pritchard, yeah, the turn around on the motorway or whatever, yeah. you know, and. What a mistake. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we could have easily have probably countered that if we wanted to, but, but we don't, don't want to. We don't, we don't want any dickheads and we don't want to break wage structure. <laughs> and we've slowly been able to get players of better and better quality. But you've got an owner who's got a plan. Yeah, I've got friends who are Southampton fans. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. again, how the tables have turned there. Well, it, it kind of annoys me that people compare us to Southampton and saying that oh, we're just going to sell our players to Liverpool or Chelsea yeah. and turn up like Southampton. Mm. But yeah, I just think we're the different. Well, they got who, what nationality is their owner this week? Do you know? <laughs> no. It was Chinese or Swiss? Yeah. Or is it? I don't know. It's, it was Swiss. I don't it was, know what was Swiss. Was it got she, he died. Yeah. I, I think, think the daughter Chinese took now. it over, but yeah. she sold the. But they've, they've, they've sacked Nathan Jones, mm. fair enough. 
Luton are about to get promoted while Southampton go down now that is going to be funny yeah. Yeah. Um, not as funny as if Jesse Morsh <laughs> 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 I want to go to Luton and the Wild Luton and the Wild I don't suppose what the allocation is going to be great no, yeah, yeah not great. really for a mid-terrorist they're marching on they say don't they marching down and again yeah you're, you're right Clive actually because yeah it's not a correct comparison yes they had a load of assets that got sold and eventually they, they came a cropper because it, it was too much but the model they had was just to develop a really good academy and they did that very well they had loads of players came out of that didn't they mm. you had Bale you had Walcott you had uh, Lalana, although I think they originally got him from somewhere else yeah. um, and a number of others obviously further back in time Shearer and whatever else um, all of those players have come through the system but that's just the academy what we're doing we are doing that but we're also bringing in people for the latter stage of the academy which I don't think Southampton was doing as much and we're signing players who are actually ready made but just need a little bit of of, of grounding yeah. of introduction who are not academy players at all as such might play with the 21s but they're not academy players mm. so we have that whole breadth of things so I think we're doing more than Southampton were doing and no, definitely but I, I think it's that sort of lazy outside view yeah that it starts to really annoy me yeah it's people easy to just pocket people oh, together we'll go and buy all their scouts and and, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and that'll be okay you think well it, it's not about the scouts it's yeah it's yes. I, I, I firmly believe it's in Tony Bloom's database mm. a lot of this information and a lot of intelligence mm. I'm sure it's all very separate and the scouts mm. know what they need to know yeah. but to, to think that you could buy one or two people from Brighton and suddenly turn it into yeah, mm. the loss of Potter and we march on you know, virtually everything we seem to just get better from it don't we mm. And my next big bet is going to be, you know, when Deservey, bless him, uh, eventually leaves, I'm going to, all the, the top five bets are who the new manager's going to be, I'm going to bet against them all. Because you can guarantee, if you looked, yeah, where was Deservey in the top ten yeah. names, you know, it was Nathan yeah. Jones, it was all these people, yeah. sort of think, is it right, you know, mm. was Potch going to come, all these sorts of people that, you know, the media were going, it's going to be him, it's going to be him. Yeah. The, the, the all the people in the know. Yeah, and none of those people, yeah. we get this person that, yeah. I'd never heard well, of we, we started picking up on some names, didn't we? I, I started mentioning yeah, on the it's podcast. In the group chat. That's a little bit later when <coughs> names had started to pop up from more discerning sources, I suppose. And I think we had Nutson and mm. we had Deserby and we had um, Celtic manager. Celtic manager, yeah, yeah. that's his name. Um, there's about five, five names. But in, in the end, were actually any of those other ones considered? Because according to the club, Deserby was first choice, probably was. Mm. For only a number one of reasons. Yeah, only one interviewed. He was unemployed at the time, so made sense from a financial point of view and if he's as good as anyone else why not go for him maybe we didn't even maybe it wasn't even those more discerning choices that were on the list at all I'm sure the club knew about those players, those managers coaches but were they even under serious consideration that's the question well we'll come back Nigel we'll talk about um, the sports club a, bit, a little bit later but let's swing it over to Clive to get his Albion story as well so when, when did you start supporting what was your first game do you remember uh, I don't remember my first game so I was um I grew up a sort of football tourist in London really oh. um, we used to turn up at school on a Thursday and I can't even remember the kid's name but he used to say we're going to this weekend <laughs> and we go somewhere so I spent quite a lot of time at Chelsea I was, probably grew up a, a Spurs fan Brentford Arsenal West Ham never went to Palace fortunately um, Fulham quite a bit so oh, okay. um, I have uh, my first ever game was at QPR versus Wildstone so I've quite a fondness for Loftus Road, but actually no fondness for QPR for some bizarre reason. Mm, okay. um, so, yeah, I spent my sort of teenage years um, watching football across London, but it was probably more about the day out than any one club, really. Yeah, um, okay. Came to university in Brighton, or Polytechnic as it was. Um, 
and it's similar sort of conversation with you. A, a mate turns around and says, well, Do you want to go and watch the football at the weekend? And off we went. So I think that's probably about 92. Couldn't tell you what game it was. And I probably watched through to. I left in 96, right? So, so we probably went three or four times a year. And it was about, I suppose, late 90s, whereas I just gave up on football. I used to go to a lot of England games. Mm. And I think that's at the Premier League and football and what happened to Brighton. I just. I'd had enough and turned back on football. I didn't, didn't want to watch it, didn't enjoy it, and was quite miserable about it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's moved. quite similar to me, by the way. Sort of mid nineties onwards. I was working Saturdays anyway, but I'd fallen out of love with football pretty yeah. much around that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I, it was same. It, I suppose the people, my friends. I was in the TA at the time, so a lot of my weekends were taken. Um, pretending to run and fix radios and shoot people and sort of playing and then um, yeah, my friends were having kids and you know, young kids yeah. you tend not to go to football quite as much and we certainly didn't and I just yeah I found it all a bit um, bizarrely a bit commercialised and a bit you know, anti-Premier League and, and look yeah. at us now it's more commercial it's more but I, I don't like describing it as a product but the product is amazing it is yeah. an absolute joy to watch the football that you see at the Amex week in week out we could portray ourselves as the good guys within the Premier League so, well. exactly. a little yeah. bit well, <laughs> but I came back it's a bit like um, I wasn't going to watch the World Cup so I was yeah. very sort of anti-Kazar and all that but um, I watched every game virtually <laughs> everyone I could get home in time for or, or when the team was on the office so uh, um, yeah, yeah so I came back probably um, when the Amex opened um, I had a mate who had three sons um, so um and there'd always be a couple of seats a week going. So I, I took my kids. I said we never watched a win. Um, watched a dreadful game against Derby. I remember, um, you know, uh, the Derby fans being quite awful, and my kids getting quite upset, and they, they, they felt really quite cheated that uh, we were going to get promoted. And Time to look at the league table. Well, today. Yeah. <laughs> no, I say. Well, was, uh, you know, fast forward that, and um, you know, my kids are arguing about who wants to come to the game, and yeah. uh, you know, my, my wife. Um, much the same you know, she, she loves coming took her to her first away game um, and she wants to go on more away games now because she actually you know, the atmosphere is much better as uh, as many people say so um, yeah and I've been back probably about three or four years now mm. um, and just absolutely loving it I just actually what you just said Nigel um, about playoff teams that have beaten us it's not a good idea to beat us in playoffs. I've just thought about this. Derby and Sheffield Wednesday are in League One. Notts County are in the National League. Yeah, Premier, you know, Derby have got, well, both teams have got dreams of playing Championship next year, or we've got dreams of potentially playing Champions League. So, I've got I know Palace are in there, but they, they might go down. Yeah. Even Neil Warnock's just back in employment. Yeah, I don't get over things quickly. No, no, I, I realise that. <laughs> We've got to call him by his affectionate real name, Colin. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Colin. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know what that is, yeah, yeah, where have you been? Well, yeah, yeah. Anna Graham near Warnock, Colin and something else beginning with W. Uh, yeah, well, wanker, basically. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's not hold back. Um, I think he actually finds that quite funny. I think he does, yeah. Well, he he yeah. has actually said it's it, it, true he doesn't want a round of applause. Yeah. He wants to start on a wanker. I haven't actually listened to any of his interviews since he took the... Uh, the job he's uh, where, where is he I forgot where he's gone where is it he's now managing Anthony Knockhart oh, yes of course he is yes. one of his, one can of you his imagine that from 30 years ago yeah. he'll probably love that so <laughs> Knockhart yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, 30 years returned. He's a Yorkshire boy, isn't he? I think mm. he's a Sheffield lad. Sheffield so United fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Fairly close to home. Mm. Well, fairly close to original home. Absolutely nowhere near where he lives in Cornwall. Mm. Um, but he keeps... I, I haven't listened to his interviews, but I'm sure he's mentioned Sharon, his wife. <laughs> and she wants to walk me out of her air. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he always says that. Just as he always says he's retiring. This co- can't get rid of him. I haven't like got a one. He's a top No, no exactly. Lots of county. Yeah. Lots of county. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Has anyone else beaten us in playoffs? I thought Palace could go down. It's a um, this could be a curse thing, couldn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope we're never in the playoffs again. <laughs> yes. It seems a long way away, doesn't it? The moment. I, mean, I know it's a, a golden era, which was then before it started, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm not looking over my shoulder. And, no. Um, well, that's the biggest thing. For yeah, me. for the the Liverpool home. So I went to Liverpool away. Yeah. Um, yeah, with my daughter, and saw that, and that was absolutely fantastic. At Liverpool home, I took, um, had three mates with me, two of which are Liverpool fans. Yeah. And um, actually, for the yeah, first time, I thought, I fancy us today, and they sort of looked at me sideways, and uh, you know, some <laughs> of the best football people telling me, you know, who've it, it, been working far longer than I have, it's the best football player I've ever played. And it was fantastic. And again, with the FA Cup, I, I really, you know, I put money on it, I fancied them, and they did. Mm. I was a bit more nervous about Bournemouth, if I'm honest. It's I thought that would. That, isn't it? But I'm um, that the same. Um, we all are. Again, yeah. typical classic. But having said that, I really fancy this at Palace on Saturday. Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, the way they're playing, the way we're playing, I really, I went there very confident. Yeah. I thought we were going to beat them. And, it, and it went, it, the game went, in terms of the match play, went according to that yeah. form. The only problem was a, a random one off individual error. And um, by, by our guy, yeah, and I, then obviously a horrendous error by the officials. I, I think, yeah, well, it, Which it, was the worst error? I mean, we'll come on to Palace, but... Well, that's a question. I was, I, I'd probably have to say Sanchez if we say the worst error. I'm trying to Because that is just... That's just bread and butter. There was no pressure on the ball. He, a lot of people are saying he's looked a bit shaky and hasn't been the same since the World Cup, and maybe that's true to some degree, but that was still such a regulation save with no pressure on the ball. And to drop it, and the sod saw it drops to their guy, bounces up. But if you had to list his strengths... That will be it. It's coming out for Kane. I mean, I, I don't oh, think he's, I don't think he's dropped on that particularly the, the, that much. The, the passing, the kicking out with his feet, is his weakness to me. The coming out and claiming crosses, I've never got any doubt about him. I, I, I think his weakness for me yeah. is decision making on when to come. When uh, yeah, someone's running yeah, through, yeah. It, 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 when does he come? And, and he, he hesitates, and he's too late. And I just think he, there's a bit of decision making. He's a bit slow. And penalties, we've got penalties. But yeah, actually, it's his casual way. It's normally his strength, and that was what was so shocking about that. Whereas the refereeing stuff, I mean, the the lines, I mean, it's it's a shocking mistake, personally, I think, and yet slightly more understandable. But, but yeah. camera angles, you know, why isn't there another camera? Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't there a hundred cameras? You know, or the technology, all of that stuff. Just for the money that's at stake, um, yeah. you know, for everybody actually involved. Yeah. You know, salaries, betting. If we miss, if we miss Europe, if Arsenal miss the title, yeah. we're on two points. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Arsenal one, of course, we've got to mention that as well. I mean, in our case, they drew the wrong line. In the case of Arsenal, they didn't bother to draw one at all. Did not bother. I forgot. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's only today. I've one job. One job. Yeah. I, I, I've only <laughs> finally got round to watching match of the day this morning, actually, and then. Um, there's two errors, isn't there? I mean, the first bit's offside. Apparently, by all accounts, they took three minutes to decide that the first phase of play in which uh, Pinnock was offside wasn't offside. 
So they shouldn't have got that wrong if they're going to spend three minutes deciding on it. But having spent three minutes getting that wrong, they then get the, the, the crucial second bit wrong, which is the second phase. The guy who makes the assess crosses it in. Is it Preston saying it was? He crossed it in, and obviously it's nodded in. Tony's onside, but the player that, that passed it to him was offside at the time. And it seemed as if there's a bit of a rush, because they've spent three minutes on it. They're thinking, all oh, right, OK, they, they, they obviously had in their head that might be the deciding bit. And they, somehow it seems to have gone out of their head to look at the next phase in case there's something in there, even if they hadn't noticed it. When I looked at it, um, knowing there was a controversy in there, but yes. not knowing what it was, I assumed it was the assist for the goal. And it's only after they started talking, I looked at it and went, oh, yeah, I think there was an argument there, someone said in, in the Seagulls of London chat this week about having a, a minute. You know, yeah. actually you've got 60 seconds to look at this. Oh. And if you can't say within 30 and 60 seconds, and, and you could almost turn it into um, a cricket or oh. yeah, event where it becomes almost a feature of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate the fact that you celebrate a goal and you don't hit it. Oh. But if you had a countdown, countdown yeah, a 60 second yeah. countdown and videos were put on the screen. And you know you're getting a decision. And then, you know, and then actually the stadium yeah. goes green if yeah. it's a goal and red if it's yeah, not yeah. or something. I agree with that. It would add to it rather than detract. Yeah, whereas now it just it sucks the life out of yeah. the, everything. It's the clear and obvious thing, isn't yeah. it? Um, in terms of refereeing, they said, well, that's objective, not subjective. And when we get this new system next season, why will we until then anyway we get that next season the one the World Cup are using it'll give a form of objective decision making that'll just be a blanket well, thing which will, will make things better yeah. but I think you could have made the right decision within a minute about Pinnock being offside in that, in that game personally yeah. and as for our one same again we've just got to draw the lines in the right place can come back to our game though uh, mm. and obviously I wasn't there and, mm. and I can't bring myself to watch match the day when we don't win so but you know that that still frame picture where they stood on the line mm. of the wrong guy. Who was offside? Undev. Now, if there hadn't been any offside, if there hadn't been any bar, mm. it would have flagged offside because Undev was offside, and it would have been offside, and we wouldn't have. Well, complained. He, d- he didn't flag though. I don't no, know. but don't we wouldn't have complained because he was off. But oh, the, so fact yeah. Yeah. the fact yeah. he didn't get involved in it doesn't yeah. matter. He's offside. Back to the old days. Back to yeah. Brighton against Barrow, yeah. nineteen sixty-nine, if you like. That bloke is, is a yard and a half, two yards yeah. offside, he's offside, it's a No complaints. Yeah. But because they want to fuck, fast about. <laughs> Obviously, you can swear. You can you edit, you can edit no, that no, out. No, you don't need to, that's fine. <laughs> we'll put a warning on about swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel with his potty mouth. <laughs> but if we didn't mess about with it. Yeah. That we, you know, it's, it's nonsense, it's millimetres. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that Leicester goal, which wasn't a goal. Yeah. Seen that? Yeah. I mean, it's nonsense. Well, um, it's Homer well. yeah. against Leicester coming back away. Yeah. It's nonsense. Right. There's no advantage, Kenny. It's obviously there to avoid goal hanging and various other exactly. related issues. And that's right. when someone's backing, coming back, trying to come back yeah. on side. I'm not having it. No. I, I'm not going to to my me. kids, but the uh, my probably best experience at the Amex was. There was a little uh, ginger-haired kid sat next to me when McAllister scored that absolute oh, screamer God. of a... And, oh, against um, Leicester. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he, yeah, he jumped up and he hugged me. And I'm hugging him. <laughs> and he's about ten... And I'm looking for his... You know, yes. it's like a, a, CRB a, checked Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> parent, but, yeah, the joy on his face. Yeah, and yeah. I said to him, you will remember that goal for the rest of your life because that was absolutely exceptional. Mm-hmm. And then it gets chalked off. For nothing. And... Um, yeah. And this lad, he, he walked out at the end of uh, the game. He walked down the, the other way from me, down the aisle. 
and he got to the end. Keep an eye out your way. So I looked about, came back to me, shook my hand, he goes, "Oh, thank you, I really enjoyed the game." And uh, you yeah. know, I just, it was oh, a yeah. lovely, yeah. lovely moment. And yeah. you think, and but ruined, ruined by yeah. VAR. Exactly. On marginals, it just feels like it's against the essence and spirit of the game, doesn't it? And uh, I think if, uh, one one thing for sure, you cannot spend that long making a decision about a decision wrong. in football, yeah. let alone getting it wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I, I hope that at least I, I, I'm in favour of this new system coming in next year because it will it will provide a blanket system, which may not be right, but it will be the same system all the time. Is that confirmed? Apparently. So it won't be subjective, is that? I understand it's like... Yeah. It, it, they've, it got, isn't. they've got a, a, a version of um, the goal line technology, as you yeah, would have yeah. seen at the World Cup. As you had at the World Cup. Yeah. 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 I'm not convinced with how accurate that is, to be honest, as opposed to the, 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 the goal line technology. But if it works if the same way as time, yeah. at least you'll get the same level of fairness or unfairness yeah. all the time. Yeah. At least you'd get consistency, even if there's some error in there. And I, I'm happy to have that. Far, there's nothing wrong with far in theory, but in administration, in its application, it's just been appalling, hasn't it? Well, really. I mean, that tackle on uh, Ferguson. Yeah. Liverpool, you know, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We're not going to benefit from the red card. If You're anything, not going to benefit from an apology. No, no. exactly. No. Unless we can no. convert yeah. apologies into points, yeah, so no, then actually, we'll have yeah, five more points. But, but, <laughs> yeah, you want to take those sort of tackles out of the game. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no need for it. Could yeah, be you want them to ending, be punished because... It's season ending. He shouldn't be um, allowed to get away with that. To be honest, I don't think he would then go... I've got away with that, I'll do that next no, week. But he's not that kind of a player, yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, someone else will see that and go, oh, he, he got away with doing that. Maybe. And I'm a bit naughty, me, so I'm going yeah, yeah. to break someone's Achilles next week. Mm. And then Grealish getting shot at the weekend as well. Oh, yes, you see that? snipers <laughs> in the stand. They've really got to check the guns <laughs> on the way, yeah. haven't they? I was quite pleased with all the Villa fans. Oh, well, that was a bit that killed yeah. me. The Villa fans <laughs> up in arms. You've been celebrating that for the last yeah. five, six years. <laughs> you think no, you are? Nothing made me happier. Oh, it fantastic. On top of which, speaking of which Jesus Knockhart did one as well. No, he did exactly the same thing. Oh. Someone may or may have slightly touched him. He flew himself up in the air, yeah, like flung forwards, yeah. like he'd been shot in the back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. I got into quite a few Twitter <laughs> discussions with some Villa fans. Oh, don't they? They're, they're they, horrendous yeah, online. Yeah. It was great, folks. <laughs> well, yeah. If, you, if you're doing it for sport, it's yeah, all absolutely. Right, it was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Not quite so funny when it happens to you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, karma. Yeah. It's already Varma, though. That's the thing. Varma yeah. would be nice. Uh, uh, one, one thing, just we'll, we'll go into the talk about the match in part two in a minute, but um, one thing about the point, we, we've been um, robbed on, I think, there were several pooling decisions at Old Trafford at the first game of the season. Yes. We should have had a penalty. There was an offside given that wasn't offside, and we would have had a one-on-one, well back with a goalie. Yeah. McTominay could have got sent off about three times. And various different reasons why we ripped off there, but we still got the result. However, Villa were denied a stonewall penalty, um, and the home game, Leicester away were denied a stonewall penalty. Um, I, I Palace, didn't think that was at the time, I have to say. No, live. Yeah, no, I really think it was. Yeah, but watch it back, it clearly was. Yeah. And Palace, we were denied a goal, and even with Sanchez's error, yeah. we should, by rights, have been two goals to nil up. Yeah. Obviously, we can't say exactly how the yeah, game no, would have panned yeah. out and everything, but yeah. in theory, we've been deprived there, from what I've listed, of five points, Can which would have us a point ahead of Spurs with get two games in hand, one point, I think it is, behind Newcastle with a game in hand for a Champions mm-hmm. League place, if we'd have had the right decisions. I haven't looked at all their bad decisions. And safe where relegation. Safe relegation. <laughs> <Safe laughs> <relegation. laughs> 40 <laughs> points is a guarantee. Yeah, absolutely. Beauty of my mark. Let's not forget where yeah. we come from. Can you think of any <laughs> examples where we've had a result 
No. Not uh, really, and, no. There's, well, been, there's been one. I can't bring them okay, to mind now. Liverpool at home where, where, where we tried to kill Diaz. What that about the Callis, the red card against Palace? No, well, I mean, two things on that. I, I still haven't bloody seen it. I haven't found it. No, I've, no, I've asked people. I've, I've looked extensively I've seen a still of it, and it yeah. is bloody horrendous. Well, yeah. everyone I've spoken to who has seen a version of it has said, not great, could have got a red card, probably just about an orange card, whatever that means, and not as bad because there was no force or no violence I, I in it, but it was studs to a shin or something, wasn't it? And Palace fans, to a man and woman, are obviously saying, yeah. definitely recall, we ripped off there, blah, blah, blah. Mm. but I think, you know, to be honest with you, if, if Fabinho can try and take Ferguson like that, why shouldn't but, we but, go away? But that's I, I don't think that, that, that doesn't make that right. I know, it you doesn't don't want to see those tackles in the game. Yeah, you, don't, yeah, you, say, you want the best 11 players yeah. on the pitch yeah. and turning out the following week, mm. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, we lost Ferguson for a couple of games. Does his form yeah. then dip? He's not been playing. No, we're, yeah, we're lucky, no? It could have been yeah. the whole season. But there hasn't been any goals against us. Chalked off wrongly, I think, like on Saturday. No, no. Because the, the reverse of the yeah, tomorrow yeah. Palace. No, nothing nothing like that I can think of at all. No, no. no. The new. I mean, we, we'd, we'd probably have one or two decisions go our way here and there, but I, yeah. this whole thing about uh, evening out over the season is utter bollocks. Yeah, the probability of that is think of it. Whenever, anyway. whenever the other team are up against, you know, up in arms against that, I'm trying to think, I try, I don't know what to succeed, I'm trying to think, would I have claimed for that? Hmm. And and I could think of a curse during the season, I can't bring them to mind examples now, yeah. but we would have claimed for that. Yeah. And so, oh, definitely. Yeah. But it, it doesn't. I wouldn't say this evens out. It's not. A yeah. It's not a scientific it, thing. It does. Yeah, it's definitely. A, it feels like a big club bias. I mean, yeah. I know we're a big club. But, yeah. um, well, compared to Palace, yeah. How come they got the yeah. Don't see away. Low yeah. level South Croydon. Yeah. I, I have to verify. But I saw some. Cl- some my, my mate, who's an Arsenal fan, sent. Um, Send me a thing. I haven't looked at it yet. There's like a video with loads of examples of why Arsenal don't, don't get the big club quite bitter, aren't they? Yeah, compared with other clubs, and it might be right. Actually, I, I haven't looked into it. I know the clubs that do get the big bias. Man United are the worst, and, and City get loads as well. Mm. To be honest, but um, the uh, Housey apparently has made some quote saying about uh, pressure to make decisions in favour of clubs. I yes, need to I verify this. I just see he, he gave me a freeze frame of a, a quote with his name and. Mm. The details of it, yeah. saying that you, you just you get the you leaned on to make decisions in favour of. I some. don't know whether that was on his. He does a talk to on a Monday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. I don't know if it was then or around about then. Mm. I've heard that, and I think that that's quite hard to believe. Yeah, surely. Must I be. don't think that they are when the decision needs making in the in the in the blink of an eye. Yeah. I don't think they think. Oh, is it the Man United shirt or is it? Bournemouth. Yeah, I don't think they can. I think that it's. I think it's. But do you think the high, yeah, a, a big crowd at, at, at Old Trafford versus? What about if it's a, so a, a Dean Court? What they call it now? Bournemouth, you know, Bournemouth are playing Tottenham. Do you think the referee thinks oh, I better give this to Tottenham? I don't think so. no, no, but what I'm saying is w- when you're at Old Trafford and the atmosphere yeah, yeah. is that toxic and, and that loud, yeah. compared to so yeah. that's why we didn't get decisions there in uh, August. Yeah, something is going on, isn't it? Because I'm sure someone by us has, has, has got a table yeah. showing the decisions for and against. Even that could cost us. If we miss out by one yeah. goal and goal difference, we could have had two more goals in that. Mm. We'll stay up. It's all right, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the faith. We have, we have um, 
the Albion Supporters Club, we occasionally, I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's referred to that now. We have a, uh, periodically, we have a social evenings where we invite people to come and talk to us. You can come and talk to us. Oh. All right. Huh? Yeah. Why not? You can come and talk to us. <laughs> but anyway, we have uh, people from time to time, and we booked a guy, I'm not going to tell his name, who's a Premier League referee to come and talk to us. And he does uh, VAR. He was fourth official at two of our most recent games. <laughs> and we're just trying to get the dates to it now. But he has to get permission from PGMOL before he comes yeah. to see us. Well, after Saturday's result, but he may or may not have been the fourth official. <laughs> the fourth official. He can't commit to a date. Yeah. And he told me he needs to he needs to get permission from PGMOL to come. And so you know there's a lot of questions like the ones you just asked mm. you know are you under pressure to make a decision yeah. um, what do you think you're doing on your VAR or something like mm. that and uh, he can't commit to a date and we're waiting and waiting and waiting for him to commit to a, a date to come and talk to us some very interesting questions will come just like the ones you just asked yeah. which we all want to ask him and I think that if the referee the PGMOL would be more upfront and stop putting out these retired referees who've got an axe to grind let's face it mm. will come out and explain their you know yeah. post-match interviews explain it. I think their, to me it's a must absolutely if you get out there and you kind of accept the make mistake you're very angry about it on the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't interview me. A player is designated to speak to the media. Yeah. yeah. The manager managers must. are obliged to do it. Yeah. Unless yeah. they've been banned from the, from the dugout, they have to do it post-match, don't yeah. they? Why can't they as yeah. well? They, they're under pressure, all of them, but I they think, all have to account for it. I think some of them would want to. Yeah, they probably would. I think so. Yeah. Some and would. Some wouldn't. But... They're they're so, same with the managers. They're so protective and mm. so secretive that it yeah. doesn't it helps on them. So if this guy actually comes and talks to him, there'll be questions like that we'll ask him. Yeah, because it, it does like a close, close rank scenario, yeah. doesn't it? And yeah. the Brexit Union and all that. Um, after the, the Bournemouth game, I reckon there was about seven minutes of uh, added time should be put on. Mm. Yeah. They put on about four, and I think yeah. blew after about two. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think that probably went our favour. I do wonder if, yeah, yeah. if the ref actually thought these guys are wasting time there's yeah. a result on yeah. here they probably deserve whereas it whereas against Aston Villa 45 minutes well yeah I'm mean, that's, that's just shocking <laughs> I mean, what the fuck was that all about I'm sorry yeah. about my mouth no no, no don't, what, don't be what on earth was that all I'm about I'm still fuming about that oh. I never I know, I've, I've got grudges I, I know no. Kieran McGuire was on the cross a couple of weeks ago I've got grudges I still have a grudge about his like my economics teacher putting me yeah. through for an example something he yeah. said to me but I'm like that with, with grudges as well you know yeah but I'm... he drinks in the Porson's arms <laughs> yes. yeah well I this game I respect for him right now <laughs> did he do that he? yeah he did yeah, he went absolutely he went what's that yeah. it? it's probably the most mentioned pub in podcast yeah. history isn't yeah. it has it, you ever been no I we should go and do a podcast we should do let's do that let's do one they're not going to know about this conspiracy are they alright well next time we meet up we'll do that go to the Porson's arms yeah. But yeah, this this whole thing of um, grudges. Now I've got, I've got grudges against all sorts. I've still got grudges. Don't get me started. I've got various grudges against Bournemouth. I'm still not letting go of that Steve Fletcher handball mm. outside the area. You didn't see the Tim McDonald handball in 1970. <laughs> Diving header, fucking punch it. <laughs> Steve Fletcher, you kids. <laughs> 
but, uh, <laughs> it just goes on and on. Yeah, actually, time and, and the Villa games. I oh, would, I would go to. I don't know, is it 35 minutes and a half we have? Yeah. But put it on a big screen. Yeah. You see it start and stop. And we all know, and I'll probably go to rugby where you keep it, keep the clock going until the ball goes out of play. Mm. So you have your 35 minutes and a half. Everyone on the ground knows exactly how long and the biggest, And the biggest time-wasting scenario that would still not be sorted, but, but well, the, the biggest issue would be the break of flow in the play. Mm. You can't do much about that. But where it comes, where it pertains to goalkeepers, I still think this idea would be good is when the goalkeeper's time-wasting, rather than giving him a yellow card, you give the the other team a corner. That would definitely deter yeah, them from doing it. And if the goalkeeper then time-wastes to stop the corner being potentially taken quicker if that attacking team wants to do that, then you give him a yellow card and maybe make it an indirect free kick somewhere yeah, or whatever. Does the six-second rule still exist? Well, I'm not sure if it does or not, but we need to start I doing that know. countdown. I was going to say, that's one, one for me, two, too. Three. I don't yeah. think it does. <laughs> I don't I think, think they does. Yeah. But, but time waste, there is, there is absolutely nothing in yeah. modern football that drives me more mad than time yeah, wasting. Same, same the thing. worst, it's, it's the worst person that for ever for time wasting, coincidentally, is my favourite Albion player ever. Casper <laughs> Michel <laughs> Kaiser. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Well, he is, goalkeepers, yeah. He's yeah. he my favourite player ever. ever. But he was. <laughs> I used to get oh god don't do it it's so embarrassing <laughs> you can't you can't read Martinez just catching the ball as he's I've seen him do that oh. outside, say quite a few times quite athletic through the air catches it Hello. and holds onto the ball and holds onto the ball after quite an awkward and, and lies on the ball, ball which is quite impressive but he's done it loads of times he's never got injured until he was at the Amex yeah. and then suddenly he was he kicked it out of play and, and, and we should have just scored from that because he quite a shit house game the, the, the ultimate is for us yeah, to no, score the, uh, directly well, not the directly, crowd was saying don't frame. give it back don't give yeah. it back we should have tried to score from yeah. that imagine how annoyed he'd be yeah, yeah. But the, he's in. I hate it. Yeah. The, the person I hate is the referee. Yeah. Why are you falling for it? Why are you falling for it? For the first time, books in the second time. He's now wasted two situations. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, he gets away with it at the World Cup right. final. Was it the ninetieth when he booked him? Yeah. It's never before the 90th minute. Yeah. Book him in the 35th minute. Yeah. Let's see if he does it again. I mean, maybe, maybe we're being too harsh. Maybe these people generally are being too run, harsh. running out of steam. You know, like Bournemouth, they ran out of steam and they were time-wasted. I mean, they were they were just struggling. Oh, hang on, no, oh, no. Because they suddenly had a second lease of life, didn't they? Yeah. And we scored, yeah. 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 And we said <laughs> <had> time-wasted. <laughs> and the cramp suddenly disappears. Yeah. yeah. There's the karma thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, I think that, that'll wrap up part one. We're, we're going to talk about... That's because your beer's run out, Russ. Because the beer's run <laughs> And it's it is round. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> part two, we'll talk about the Supporters Association and the Palace game in a bit more detail. Okay. And so to part two of the podcast, or pubcast, we have now relocated to the Libertine in Clive. Where are we? Southwark. Southwark. Southwark, I think we are. Libertine. And so we've come to this pub, and we're, we're all having a really, I have to say, a very nice pint of Harvey's. A, a second pint. A second pint, indeed. Yeah, we, we've, we've been drinking quite a bit since we've not recorded. <laughs> we forgot to record on the last pint. <laughs> Never mind that stuff. That's minor details. But to be fair, and I don't want to disparage the club, but this is it's nice to have a proper pint of Harvey's. And a glass glass. A glass glass, yeah, yeah. 
And lo and behold, when we walked in... from 1901. I did. I was lying down. All right, all right. Did you get glass in the boardroom at Sellers? I didn't get glass. No, but there was glass. You clearly didn't make your audience just know. Just to explain, Clive was in the boardroom at Selhurst on Saturday. Well, director's... Box. Sounds more, sounds more dramatic the way I said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did shake hands with, um, shake hands? Shake hands with, um, Paul Barber and, You uh, shaked hands with Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> yeah. And wished him, have a more And wished him well for the game, as he did yeah. me, so that was good. Excellent. Good, good. Now, we're, we're having a really nice harvest here, I have to say. And, um, in fact, this might be the nicest pine. Of harvest I've had for quite some time. The weird thing about this is, when we walked, we were wandering around, we were going to go to the Gladstone, we ambled about here here and there in South London, and we stumbled upon this pub called the Libertine. So we wandered in, and lo and behold, it's London, it's quite a big city, isn't it? And so imagine my alarm when, as we arrived at the bar, someone said, Russ! Just well known, aren't you? I was a bit alarmed, I've just, even by my standards, I was a bit worried. Turns out it was Peter's wife, Fiona. And the reason for that is Fiona and Peter are here for a poker night. Who would have known it with a few friends? What the odds of that? that, that those are small odds. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the name of the pub sounded familiar, I have to say. Yes. Anyway, here we are with part two. So in part two, a very brief dissection of any further details on Palace. Let's go to that next. We talked about the incidents, the controversial incidents. Um, let's talk about other matters. Uh, Solly's goal, I mean, well, well, Estepinian's goal was well taken. Yes, disallowed. Solly's goal was good, wasn't it? And that's four goals in seven Premier League games. Well, I, I after had him 21 down, months without a goal. I, 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 I had him down for a hat-trick at, at Selhurst. Bloody um, hell! <laughs> and, really? Um, uh, someone, I think I'd promised that um, if you got a hat trick, they'd name their, their next born child um, Solly. Which, considering she was getting delayed at the time, I thought it was quite a good bet. But, um, he didn't quite deliver, but he's, he's on fire, isn't he? He is, um, he's absolutely on fire. And Duncan, friend of the show, uh, his daughter, Charlie, is a massive Solly fan. I don't know if she ever listens to this, but if she does, can we just say, you were right all along. We should, we should have stuck with him. We lost faith. But he's come back stronger, hasn't he? Uh, he has. I think... I, I always find it fascinating about where you sit in the ground and your perspective of a player. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, where I sit, you see Solly playing his magic. I don't really see Mitsuma or Matoma, do I know how Mitsuma, yeah, yeah. Mitsuma. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see as much as him. And actually... I, I'm, I'm going to reckon to Chris Jonas that I swapped seats with him for a week because I really want to see the other side of the ground um, yeah. and, and pick that, you know, just sitting watching a player in front of you doing their magic is it, it, really great and if they're over the other side of the pitch you don't quite get that appreciation of it. but I'm a total solid fanboy, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And that's exactly the same with um, Lampsy. Yeah. If you're on one yeah, side, yeah. you see it exactly the yeah. same. Yeah, it's a really Definitely. good point. It's, um, so I think being able to move around the ground, which FA Cups do, 
yeah, if you've got a cup match and you've got a chance to move seats, I totally get why people do that and yeah. just see the ground within the space. The other way of doing that is going to Little Hampton for the Sussex Senior Cup. <laughs> and you can just walk around wherever you like. Oh, I love yeah. non-league football. It's great, yeah, isn't it? Like it's That's what Beer I do. In your hand. When I, I visit all these grounds and take a load of grounds off and I make a point of going to about 15 different locations with the grounds. Yeah. It's the best bit about it. It's great. It's a bit of walk round. Chris, Chris Jonas is uh, the chairman of the Seagulls over London, by the way. For anyone that doesn't know who Pip uh, Clive was referencing there just a moment or two ago. Good to see you, Chris. Yes, yeah, indeed, yeah. Cheers, Chris. Cheers. 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 Chris. Wish you were here. Wish you were here. He's, he's always somewhere where he wishes we were here. Yeah, he's, he's always travelling, isn't he? He's a good life, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, he does. On, on, the, on the subject of... Um, on the subject of the game, though, any other thoughts from the match? Who was your man of the match? I thought Caicedo, I thought, was commanding, even though other people said he was a bit off his game. But I do think the notable extra person to mention in this regard is Webster. He yeah. had the best on season for quite a while. He had to come off a bit before the end. Yeah, still, he did, yeah. But, but he's coming back towards his best on his usual slow recovery. Yeah, I think whenever he comes back from injury, it's always a bit of a while now, isn't there? Um, I think Estupian um, is looking really good. I think it'd be great to see a fully fit side with like, Colwell and every everybody firing on their day. Yeah. I think we're going to absolutely destroy somebody. Hopefully that'd be Palace in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. I think the other telling thing was, I was in enemy lines, I was in the... They called it a director's box, but it wasn't. It's was quite a large area. But um, there was a really knowledgeable Palace fan behind me who... He knew all the Brighton players' names. He knew what they could do. And he kept saying, oh, watch this guy. He's going to do that. He's going to cut inside. And oh, it, it was really interesting to, to sit around Palace fans complimenting how good Brighton were. And, and the other aspect that's just been totally unreported is the absolute vitriol directed at Vieira. They were booing. Oh, they were shouting. They were calling his name, calling him at see you next Tuesday. Um, really? It was really quite aggressive, and I, I um, and you know, you it hasn't been reported. No, I've never heard no, you don't, you don't see. Yeah, when we go back to the Potter booing, yeah, yeah, ten people booed a bit, and it was like national media for a month. But how dare you boo this man? <laughs> yeah. um, whereas Vieira, they were calling him everything under the sun, and yeah, they were quite understandably angry about the way they were playing football. They don't have the biggest vocabulary, though, do they? The no, no, that's true. But well, and I have to say, the guy, the couple of guys behind me, they were chatting through the match. They were really knowledgeable about football, yeah. about Brighton, about and what, our players. And how were they about Vieira? Oh, I know, they were quite aggressive as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I think there's a realisation going on about how, I know I, I made an animated comment about this on the Match Day special, but uh, about how superior we are at the moment. I think there is a realisation of just how how we've got our, our ducks in a row, how well we've organised ourselves. We're talking off-air about the slow grow and how yeah. we've, we've patiently gone about suffering people jumping out of the queue and whatever else through throwing money around. And that we, over time, we have built very gradually to where we are now. And I, I think there's a realisation amongst various supporters, Palace included, shit, they've, they're, they're, they're doing it for the long term. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's reaping rewards yeah. already. And the point when that starts to happen, which is now, must be a horrendous realisation because we've been in a similar boat before and we've been battered by Southampton. They've got loads of academy graduates 
coming through. We thought the end is nigh and we're a million miles away. And as we said, where are they now? Where are we now? It's, it, these things could go in cycles. I like to think the album is doing more than going in a cycle. Tim I think says we've, we've got a plan. We've, we've got, we've a, got plan, a plan, haven't we? There's a master and, plan. And they haven't got a plan that sells. Exactly. I mean... They've got a five-year plan, but that's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Kevin. Don't you feel this thing? You're not, yeah. I know. See you in the portions, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only is about the bench. You know, people met, Apart from steel, wasn't the average age of the bench 22? Mm. And, yeah, I, I didn't look at it and go, there's no one on the bench that you'd want to... Yeah. No. I'm going to get bored if we had three or four 18 year olds yeah. on the pitch yeah, yeah. at the end of the game. Um, you're thinking Sarmiento, you're thinking Buena Notte, yeah. you're thinking bring him on, yeah. who are going to take off? I think is quite exciting. Yeah. His family sit quite near me and they uh, get quite animated whenever he's. You know when he's going to play, when he's got to start, because <laughs> uh, they all rock up with all their kit on and uh, are very vocal. I'm really. Because I live in Lansing and I'm very lucky to live in Lansing. Go and watch the under 23s is easy. Yeah, for me. down the road. And I saw Sarmiento play his first game at the under 23s. He came on for 20 minutes at the end of the game and I put in the Albion Supporters Club news there this guy is going to be something else. And he is going to be. We haven't seen half of him yet. I might see a bit more game time actually. Yeah. And it is exciting. He's only really shone. In that season, we got the injury, didn't he? A couple of substitute appearances and the start against West Ham. It's and all it about sensational. It's all about getting the ball and let's go forward. Yeah, yeah. and I love that. I love, I love that. It. Yeah, it's the spirit of football, the proper yeah, spirit of football. Absolutely. And we've got that. We've got ballsy, as as Deserby likes to keep calling it. Yeah. ballsy football. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll sit on the ball. We'll invite you to come onto us. We'll use the space and we'll have loads of attacking options. Yeah. And if we're not winning, we'll put on more attacking options. I love it. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, that's Palace. Right, let's move the conversation on. Before let me we get... just, let me oh, just oh, go no. back to Palace. Go just ahead, please thing. do. When we... Particularly if it's disparaging, carry on. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you're not disparaging, we haven't got long enough. But <laughs> the thing with the Albion at the moment is whether we're playing Liverpool or Paris or Bournemouth or whatever, you and you go into you talk about being a Brighton fan oh, we, you know you just I'm, say Palace not Paris didn't you because that's next season just to your man that'd be part four pub four <laughs> yeah. but, sorry Carol but the thing is that um, the other teams for the first time since we've been in the Premier League the other teams whether it's Liverpool or Bournemouth or I won't say Villa but whoever it is they are at least as worried about us yeah. as we are about them when yeah. Liverpool come there was no Liverpool fans who thought they were going to roll us over in the league or the cup yeah that's a telling and, and, difference and, isn't it and we need to as Brighton fans get used to I mean that's classic Brighton thing we're talking about is that you know oh, we think we might we'll do well to get a result against Bournemouth or Palace but they are fucking shit themselves about playing us and I love it and it's Fulham on Saturday yeah. and, and we'll you know, they are having a fantastic season. I, I'm more worried about Fulham, actually, than... There you go. Fulham, but... We've, we've not beaten them in the Premier League. No, I was going to say... And they're having a better season than average. Yeah, no, I, I think... And they've beaten us this season. Yeah. And uh, it was the toughest game we had, apparently. Yeah. I think probably the worst game although, we've had. We've, we've yeah. got our team squad drawn there, haven't we? Yeah, we did. No, I think... Wepu was a false nine. Didn't yeah. work. Yeah, but... but 
but they were on fire. They're, they're better they now yeah. than they were then. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had a, a very good friend who's a Fulham fan who's going to join me for the game on Saturday. Uh, and his, his mother's not very well, he can't make it. And head of your daughters? Head of my daughters, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, he's, he's an old colleague. And, um, but, you know what? I, I love knowledgeable, sensible away fans yeah, yeah. are really nice people to watch yeah, football with actually. Yes. I've got a, a West Ham friend who comes to every West Ham game and we sit there and we talk about That's got to be quite tough for your West Ham fans though, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I particularly love that one. Cause they don't want to meet Brighton fans in the Premier League here, isn't they? Uh, having said my son went for 20 games without seeing a win um, <laughs> he, he, he did come to a couple of West Ham games because they do say, I think he's never seen them lose uh, against West Ham, yeah, because they are. When did we last lose West Ham? I mean, it was this season. Well, I think it was championship. Yeah, it when, was a, when they got promoted. That yeah, season. it was yeah. a long time ago. I thought enjoyed team, and, something like that. A, a bit like the Palace fans sat behind me when they're talking knowledgeably about yeah, yeah, yeah. about their club, absolutely. about your club, yeah. and you're having a really great football conversation. Yeah. That to me is an absolute joy. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, it's a shame Nick can't come to Fulham on the. Saturday. Is it? Yeah, no, it is because I, I actually think that it's going to be. Yeah, it's one of those games I don't know how it's going to go. No, and yeah, you know, really, yeah, really yeah, sort of chew the fat over how it went and what was going on. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. I interesting. I looked at betting on it on last night. I sat on the sofa. Um, the odds on Brighton winning are pretty good. The odds on West um, Fulham winning are pretty bad actually, which surprised me because. I would have put it pretty even, I would say so, yeah. But, you know... Yeah, given our home record. Yeah. Which is not too bad now, but it's not great. I, I, I couldn't quite bring myself to put the insurance betting on Fulham, but no. um, it's, I think it's probably where the smart money, mm. you know, betting how, how bad the odds were on us. Um, yeah. The time with the score was quite reasonable, so I had some yeah. lumps of money on that at the end. But, uh, well, depending on the scale of my um, success... In terms of a ludicrously long-winded accumulator bet, I might be in Santa Pate tomorrow morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very unlikely. And back in time for the Fulham game. Yeah, it's a, it's a five-pound bet pays out about forty-five grand. So you can imagine how un- unlikely this would happen. I think about eighteen different results have to go my way. Oh, how many something have, like that. How many are aligned so far? Oh, I don't know. I've got no idea. I don't. Want, I don't want to look at it. Oh. I'll only look at it afterwards and then cry quietly but into if, my bed. Are you going to lay half it off with like, a game to go? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm a gung ho. I'm a ballsy kind of guy. <laughs> I'm a Roberto Deserbi kind of better. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, but there we go. That, that's that. Um, I think for me, man of the match was probably Webster for the Palace game. I wasn't there. I can't tell. I can't comment. Yeah, no? I, I can't. Can you think through your fear goggles from Saturday? It was Guinness goggles. But, Gu- um, Guinness goggles. It's more oh, opaque than um, the yeah. usual beer, isn't it? Is it freebies in the old director's box? But it was. I was being, I was being entertained. How were you now? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you another story off air in a minute, actually. Which okay. Is, which is very entertaining. Okay. <laughs> I'll just press pause. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, we pretended to press pause. <laughs> I mean, we did press pause. Sorry, yeah. Are you folk are arguing as well? Yeah. Well, let, let's switch it. it. The rest of part two is given over to Nigel talking about the Brighton and Hove Albion Supporters Club. Well, Not the Brighton and Hove Albion official supporters club, I hasten to add. No, it's People may imagine it's that, but it's not, is it? There was... It was, for one for a long time, it was the only supporters club. Yeah. And it was originally put together in something like the 20s or the 30s. And in those days, there was 20,000 people who were members. And there were, apparently, there was... There was, um, wow. there was really? um, yeah. They still pay subs? No, well, they had... <laughs> there was even more extraordinary than that. There was little booths around the Goldstone where you could go and join up. And people did, and there was loads, and they had all sorts of um, um, social events. So they would have somewhere like the Regent in Brighton would be a Brighton Supporters Club meet, and there were thousands, hundreds of people who applied for tickets, and it was amazing. Well, we are down to the low hundreds of supporters clubs now, and that's a shame because if you go on, when we send our um, visitors guide to the Amex to the um, all the supporters clubs of the other teams. If you go to Chelsea or Manchester United or Manchester United, Arsenal, all the all the traditional big six, not the current big six, I hasten to add, but the <laughs> traditional big six, and they've got 30, 40, 50, 60 supporters clubs all over the country. We've got five. North West Seagulls, Mid Sussex Seagulls, Seagulls over Birdwatching, maybe. Yeah. Palace have only got one, Fulham have only got two, and what have you, Brentford have only got two. But we sent them this, this guide. But a, a Premier League top six club also have lots more supporters clubs all over the country and encourage people to set them up and get them going. But um, So we run a supporters club and we have a social event. We're just about to relaunch our... Um, website bhasc.com it's just about to relaunch should have been relaunched by now but it's uh, been held up because we want to get it just right and there's lots of stuff on there and, and, and it's so cheap it's only five pounds to join so it's nothing you get a newsletter which is the um, two-dimensional version of me talking um, <laughs> But it's a good thing to be part of. But yeah. so much, we find these days, so much, particularly the young people, you know, joining up as a boards club and paying to get a newsletter. What's in it for that? So we it's run a slow and sluggish. Just yeah, it is pretty much. Yeah. It's kind of old fashioned. Because yeah. um, there's so, and the other, the other. Um, supporters uh, websites like whether it's the travel ones like um, uh, Mid Sussex Seagulls North West Seagulls Seagulls of Burwash or whether it's BHAfans.com um, all the other ones you know they offer a different sort of thing we don't compete with that but we should have more than we currently do yeah. but it's yeah we offer social events we got a couple coming up one with Paul Barber one with um, a Premier League referee so, for a fiver, it's absolutely worth being part of. Yeah. But we're going to do a relaunch, and you'll see it on the uh, Albion Twitter, uh, Albion Sports Club Twitter soon, when we relaunch the website. And hopefully that will engender more people. Yeah. But we should have more than hundreds of fans in the supporters club. We, um, when we went to Manchester City, we got in touch with the City Supporters Club, 
and uh, said, well, let's come and join your social. So we went in their social club before the game. You know, it's great. There's no where you can have a drink. I know you, much like me, like a drink. And so we could have a beer in the City Supporters Club before we went to the game. It was lovely. And it was, you know, proper supporters club. Been supporters of the club for years. So, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. But it's, uh, it's maybe a little old-fashioned, so we need to do something about that. Yeah, it's, it's a thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a it thing where a thing. you need to um, adapt, um, modify, change, yeah. if you need to. A lot of people don't feel the need to be part of a supporters club because they can set up a Twitter account, they can be part of it, and yeah. that's okay. So we're not begging people to be well, part I mean, of it. You've got, you've got we need to be more relevant, you know. You, you mentioned we've got five or six. I mean, those are the official classified, yeah. uh, regulated sports clubs that are now under the umbrella organisation, which yeah. is what the yeah. club have initiated. Yeah. We should mention there's a load of, of unclassified sports groups as well. Yeah. You've got Hong Kong Seagulls, who we're going to have on quite soon. You've yeah. got stateside Seagulls, you've got Seagulls over Australia, yeah. or whatever it's Canada. down under, isn't it? Canada. Proud. Uh, the the yeah. Scottish ones as well. Spain. Spain. Yeah. All of those. I think some of those are becoming official actually now. Two or three blokes down the pub. I think some of them are. I remember yeah. quite a lot of them. <laughs> and um, You like to drink around the world, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, it was part of the fab membership. I, I just sort of thought, I'll try and reach out to as many people as I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... Look, it's great if they're meeting in a group and I, I just kind of reach out and said like is there anything you need what do you want and uh, yeah. got mixed responses and uh, and that's great but I joined up with Seagulls over in Toronto yeah. and I went and met up with them and they there's a pub in Toronto where they go and meet up for games um, I can't remember the name of it but I've been there I went and met up with them and there's probably 20 people in it right and half of them are Canadian Half of them are Brit expats, but the Canadians have just got wrapped up in. And this was, oh, I don't know, probably two or three years ago. Really wrapped up in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you go, what? And the pub where they go, the Victoria, something it is, is a Man United pub. And you go in the pub, it's all Man United, and they've got little bits of Brighton and Albion in it. And Fantastic. so when, and when, so Brighton play Man United, there's much more Man United than Brighton. I went in when we played. So it must have been the championship when we played Cardiff. And these people are, they're as passionate about Brian of Albion as you and me. Yeah. But they live in Toronto. They want to be part of it. I, I fully embrace this, by I the way. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's a million miles away from what we talked about yeah, with yeah. Hereford and yeah. all those years. And why not? I mean, fuck it. You know, yeah. we've had all those bad years. If there's a load of people on the other side of the world, that want to embrace it and be as passionate yeah. as we are about it. Yeah. Yes, they haven't got the history or whatever, but they've got the passion. Yeah. Absolutely all for it. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I think we need to move on a bit about um, people seeing supporters in the club in their own mould. Yeah. You know, yeah. The fact that I've stood in the same seat for 30 years and always done that, you know, if, if people are, are, are coming to the album and enjoying it, we should embrace that. Exactly. If they weren't in Hereford, yeah. does that matter? I, I don't care. I don't yeah, care about yeah. that at all. We've only got 31,000 seats. We can't yeah. get everyone in who wants no. to be a part of it. So, in whatever way you want to be part of it, be part of it. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm, I'm all for it. All for new fans. And we, we, we said about kids who are several years uh, of conscious age yeah. who, who won't know anything other than success. 
okay, that's a bit of a shame in one sense that they won't have perspective, but who cares? Yeah, they're kids. Why not? I, I'm, well, my first few years were top flight stuff. First years I supported the club was 79 to 83. The first four years. Sorry, I'm yeah, technically I am. And it all went downhill from there. The kiss of death, Nigel. The kiss of death. <laughs> and I have to say, hats off to the club for um, the, the junior season ticket prices. Yeah. 95 quid, is it? Yeah. For a season, know. you know. Um, I'm just looking forward to the 65 plus well, when I get a discount. Yeah. Well, we get a lot right, don't we? We yeah, get a lot right. We get an awful lot right. Absolutely. And, and, and things like that should be absolutely celebrated. That is such a good point. And in part three, we'll talk about Fab, and there might be some more animated discussions on that matter. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but before we get into part three, the final bit of part two, back to you, Nigel, on the on the Seagull Supporters Club thing, is um, uh, how do you see it now, and how do you see it moving forward? Do you think there needs to be changes? How should it adapt? Is it, or does it need to adapt at all? We, in the current newsletter, we've, I've highlighted the other supporters clubs, and they all, everybody does their own thing. There's the North West Sussex Seagulls, the Mid Sussex Seagulls, the Seagulls over Burwash, Seagulls over London. Podcasters under the counter. <laughs> they all, they all do. The Portsons Armed podcasters. The Portsons Armed. I tell you what, that's going to. When we get the Portsons Arms, we're going to raid Palace territory. That's, <laughs> what that's what we're talking about here. Kevin Day's local pub. All those, all those things. They they do their own thing for their own fan base, and that's per, that's perfect. That's absolutely fine. And you know, we're not in competition. We, you know. The Brighton Amendment Supporters Club are not nicking Seagulls over London members or Burwash members. We're all, we've all got the same thing and so we bring our own things in. I mean, Seagulls over Burwash and North West Sussex Seagulls and Mitter, they are, they provide travel into the Albion. You haven't got to, you know, by joining one or the other, you haven't got to jo- not exactly, join yeah. You've yeah. got that. Absolutely. Seagulls over London is more of a social club with guests coming up yeah. to London. What's the criteria uh, for Porson's Arm Seagulls? Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brand new thing. I'm it's so fresh. I'm not sure. Yeah. Horses. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many members do we need? We, Se- seagulls have a Paulsons, or are we call Paulsons on seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> Seag- yeah. We're gonna we, get, Kevin's going to be in there. Yeah. We, we need. We need. I reckon three major criteria. One is massive. What's the beer like? Massive capacity for beer. Yeah. Two is to have decent beers available. Yeah. yeah. And the third. The third thing is an immense capacity to talk absolute shite yeah. while I'm recording on my phone. I think you've got three members absolutely here. <laughs> I'm signed up. Yeah. I don't care what it costs. Yeah. That doesn't exclude Kieran, does it? No. We didn't no. say he has no. to drink. No, 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 no. no. Kieran, Kieran, I think he could be on re-prison. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm loving this. Is this an annual thing? We do once a year. Well, it's going to be something like that. Weekly. Weekly? Weekly, yeah. Life membership. <laughs> right, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the Libertine and we've got Peter, my co-host, having a different night, a yes. different night, the audacity of the man. He's playing poker with his missus and a load of friends, uh, literally about ten yards away from where we're chatting. It's his round, isn't it? And he's got nothing to do with the podcast tonight because he was busy. Yeah. Doing yeah. this, yeah. Uh, it is as rounds, Nigel. You're absolutely right, and uh, I think we, we could get Peter involved, can we as well? Yes. As long as he gets the first round in of the forces. Yeah. And 
wears a half and half Palace of Brighton shirt. Well, uh, so did you see the half and half Palace Brighton scarves on Saturday? I did, and and I um, chatted to the guy. And he goes, "Well, I make money out." He goes, "Who's laughing, eh?" And he patted. He, he did a knowing glance of the week. I thought, fair enough. You know, you're making yeah. money. Yeah, he, yeah. he probably has nothing to do with either club, so. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of half and half scores. Well, I was about to kick you out of the pub until you said that. Hold on, I bought one once. And then. Oh, no. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Nigel, you bought a half and half scores. I bought a half and half scores. Please give us the details. Is it the Spurs, Brighton no, one? No, no. Spoke against Brighton at the FA Cup. No, no. Uh, uh, it's the same you go through every club in the Football League. <laughs> this was an FA Cup match, Villa against Brighton. Oh, we, the three-two defeat. The three-two defeat. Yeah, yeah. We only we can only get tickets in the home end. So uh, walking up there, we thought we buy five quid to pay for this. And fold them in half. I went. I wore <laughs> I wore claret and blue for the first half. As we walked out, blue and white. <laughs> it was it was a uh, it was like um um what do you call it camouflage. Very good. Yeah. See. And I nailed it on the pub wall in the station hotel at Preston Park. <laughs> it's still there as far as I, I like know. it, I like it. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Back to you, sir. So I, I was quite upset. A, that they were sending scars. B, that people were buying them. Right. And, and C, there's a thing on social media about a bloke called Clive selling them. And I just <laughs> want to... I just want to set anything the record straight. Clear, I mean, anything to make a couple of quid on there. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. Right. I have my limits. I mean, people might have believed, but I do have my limits. I'll do anything for that. But I won't do that. I won't do that. I was just going to say that. I I never normally want to quote Milo, but I I did want to quote him at that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, I I wasn't that Clive. No. No, good. But you are the client that's been on the price of football twice. Uh, Having your letters right yes, now. Yeah. I've, I've been on there. They mentioned Brighton Rocks podcast, whatever well, that it, is. It certainly does. Brighton yeah. does rock. It does, it does. Yeah. And we are going to get Kieran down for our inaugural portion <laughs> yes. of As our life president. <laughs> and on that very note, I think we should end part two. two. And in part three, we're going to talk about fab. Uh, 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 pub three. Are we going to be in the set third pub? Oh, it's do, a, we, do we change pubs? It's a three-pub podcast. Oh, we got to do it, haven't we? Glassstone? Yeah, 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 yeah. It might be the Glassstone. Stay, Stay tuned. Now, Stay tuned. Three. Stay tuned. <laughs> It is part three. We're in the Gladstone. We've had two or three more pints and some food. I'm still with Mr. Clive Steed. Hello, Clive. Hello, uh, Russ. <laughs> that sounded like a porno video, didn't it? 
Hello, hello, how are you doing? I was just trying to remember your name after um, quite a few beers. And we have, we have Nigel as well. Part three, pub three, let's go. <laughs> this is this is our ground-breaking territory here. You know, what can I say, what can I say? We're going to put the phone down on an empty pint glass and we hope the audio will work subsequently accordingly. So, we're into part three. We're going to talk about the big issue. You two, you're both on FAB, Fan Advisory Board for the Albion. Paul Barber, I can't remember where it was, he was on somewhere talking about Fan Advisory Boards or something about it in the future tense at the time when it had already been inaugurated at the Albion. So he clearly anticipated this was going to be an initiative moving forward. And he wanted to be at the forefront of it with the Albion. You guys are at the forefront of it. You two are two of the original how many members? I think it was eight, we're currently six. Yeah. It's eight, eight, and current, uh, sorry, originally eight, currently six. Yeah. And that is to do with a couple of misdemeanors that we may not talk about on this podcast. Well, uh, you know, or, or we can if well, you want. I, I think people who asked her, clearly it's a really privileged position. And yeah. yeah, we were okay. yeah. we were asked to sign non-disclosure agreements. We were asked to behave in a certain way, and, and I think you have to accept it if you're going to. It's a privileged role, you know. There's no doubt about it. Thirty thousand fans at the Amex to get down to six that are going to represent the club um, and to represent the fans of that club is a privileged position, and we are subject to information that isn't in the public domain, we're asked to behave in a certain way, and I guess you know, some of the founding members of the FAB didn't see, you know, couldn't, for whatever reason, couldn't quite align to that, and and that's not unusual to other FABs that have been, you know, I think we, we met this week or last week with, um, nationally, with all the other FABs, and they've had similar situations where you know, people have signed up as a very enthusiastic member of it, and then perhaps A, didn't know what was going to be required of them as an individual, B, didn't know what was required to, you know, what you can say in the pub and what you can say in the boardroom, are, are probably different things, and being able to have that separation. We need to build trust with each other. The club needs to trust us, that they can share information with us, and we need to be able to sort of challenge the club, and they need to, you know, in, in such a way that when we ask probing questions, they can answer them honestly, but we're not going to suddenly take to Twitter and announce the world yeah. of what the club are doing. And I guess two of the members fell foul of that sort of trust, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about how leagues to do with kits and various other bits and pieces, but first they were in a privileged position to, to have access to and disappointed themselves, maybe. Yeah, I think what it's to do with is probably irrelevant, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You sign up to do a job, you sign up to some terms and conditions of doing that job, and I think the expectation is everyone's going to do it. So, um, yeah, and not unreasonably, actually. Yeah, let's not forget, football clubs are, yeah, and, and the success of Brighton, in, in, in many ways, is about being very good at what they do. And if the world and his wife know about that, and yeah, there's a lot of commercial, sensitive information, yeah, that needs to be managed in a sensitive way. And I guess as a, as a fab, we've struggled a little bit with the club. In yeah, Our first meeting with Paul Barber was 
they ought to be sat there like naughty school children being told off uh, yeah, the misdemeanours of not us uh, Nigel wasn't a naughty school boy I wasn't a naughty school boy other people let the club down let them you know, let themselves down ultimately yeah and we're now in a situation where you know, we're having to work doubly hard to try and rebuild that trust and show that you know we're professional people we've got the club at heart we've got the fans at heart you know we want to do the right thing but we're working in quite a different space, I guess, ultimately. And, and do you think that those um, repairs are already in motion? Do you think that's I, working now? I, I think at an operational level, um, we've definitely built the trust of the people we deal with on day to day. Yeah. Um, they, they, uh, they've publicly said it, that you know, they, they recognise the value we bring. Now, whether Tony Bloom sees that, whether Paul Barber sees that, whether the execs see that, I think we're probably a little way away from that, actually. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, if you're going to go early doing something, which I think Brighton did do, they, they were very early forming a fab. Um, have we got the constitution right? Absolutely not. Am I the best person to represent the club? Absolutely not. Um, but I think you have to recognise that yeah, they went through a process, they got what they got, and we're trying to do the best we can. Yeah, we didn't really understand the terms of reference. We didn't know what the club wanted from us. We didn't know what was expected from us in our personal time. Um, and I think, yeah, for the most part, out of the six that remain, we're working tirelessly to try and do the right thing. We don't know what the right thing is, um, but it kind of feels like we're in this middle ground. Or, yeah, the club don't want us. The fans don't want us. And yeah, we're working quite hard to do so. That no one really wants us to do this or do the, well. The yeah. fans are very cynical very quickly on about stuff like this. Yeah, but you know, um, I genuinely, yeah, I, I read a lot of stuff when we were elected about it was an inside job. I, I had no relationship, apart from buying tickets, I had no relationship with the club uh, before being appointed. So... <laughs> Unless Tony Bloom has got a spreadsheet on me, like he has on, you know, on, on like really great centre forwards and you know, centre midfields and everything else he has, I mean, was I'd be really flattered if that was the case. I, I don't think it was a strategic appointment by the club to put me in there. I think they clearly did some vetting on people's social media, on their criminal records. Which is right to do because again we're we're, we're something. Yeah, you don't want to call down later. Yeah, down no, the line, no one wants yeah, something embarrassing. Uh, 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 yeah, someone that uh, 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 a dodgy history being pulled out as being a representative of the club. And, um, so I understand that. So I, I don't believe. I hope. Well, so certainly from my perspective, I can't see the club would know that I was a particularly good or bad representative of the club. Um, I think we're a bunch of people that are trying to do our best. Um, hmm under quite difficult circumstances with quite limited resources ultimately mm. yeah no, no well said I think a lot of good points there and just to switch it over to you Nigel you were also on FAB um, what was your take on it how, how did it all come about first of all you were voted in weren't you all of you yeah well we all had to like fill in paperwork on the Albion website and, and there was a lot of criticism about it. everybody said the same thing well everybody was passionate about the Albion everybody wanted to do something make a difference and that's what you know we, I didn't know Clive beforehand we've had obviously that flip at the beginning where two people had to be dropped out 
so probably the first six months of our relationship, relationship with the cup. Sorry, the beer's kicking in now. That's fine. I can relate to that. We're having to like play catch, play catch up. We're having to like you know reassure the club that we are worth trusting. Yeah, we've tried to assure the fans that we're worth trusting. Now, one of the things we need to do is improve our communication with the fans. Now, how do you do that? Do you have a North Stand chat page? Do we speak to you guys? Do we go and speak to the supporters clubs? We need to improve that communication, but, you know, we're six in the Premier League, for Christ's sake. How about, you know, what do you want to moan about? Tops of bottle tops of bottles? You know, well, they don't sell chips in the West End Lower? Fuck's sake, you know, what do you want? This is the thing, I think the, the perception of general fans in terms of fab in relation to the class is they want to get notions projectives uh, complaints whatever you want to call it uh, put over to the club and you mentioned bottle tops it's a ridiculous it's, it's a comical debate isn't it it is yeah. a comical debate well, we went, I went to a gig at the London Stadium yeah news last year we weren't allowed to take bottles in with bottle tops yeah nothing, so to, do, nothing to do with Paul Barber so to, yeah exactly yeah yeah I, I personally think it's a weird over the top rule but I don't think I, I agree with you it's not just a Paul Barber thing they're just following certain lines I think what, what I'm worried about from my point of view as just an Albion fan is the notion that you guys in all earnesty earnest earnesty earnestness Ernest. whatever it is yeah. uh, our, um, lovely this beer isn't it yes it's lovely <laughs> our, um, you, you're trying to project the views of fans uh, and I'm I'm worried about how much if any of that is, is being absorbed by the club at the moment to me I think there's so many good things going on between the club and the fans of the football you know we're doing brilliantly but I, I, I'm challenging that a little bit. Is Could it be better? What, yeah. What, what the fans want? Because I would. Yeah, I, I'm trying to work on one thing that I'm interested in is atmosphere at the Amex, and yeah, so you come down to uh, singing flags. Do we want a drum or not? Now people will email me passionately about absolutely we do want want a drum, and but other people will turn around and say the singers are appalling. We need something to get the timing together. And I think it's about trying to get a, trying to detach the personal view as, you know, what do I think as an individual? You, know, you, you might hate drums, you might love drums, but what would contribute positively to the environment? Yeah. Without, and trying to detach that individual, yeah, you, you look at Arsenal, what they've done with their, you know, They've taken the library and started to turn it into something that's got a bit of an atmosphere. And they've done that by having a drum. Now... Yeah, I know a lot of people won't like them, but... And they're dull, toneless beats and whatever else. But, uh, Fine, but don't complain there's no atmosphere then. But, but my point is... Because by now, we should have created that atmosphere we, we, if we, you haven't got a drum. We can't create that atmosphere, but I, I think it's... Fans need to be a bit more honest. When they turn around... And, and send me emails because absolutely no one in the, in the North Stand wants a drum. 
Yeah. Those are unrealistic. Yeah. They don't speak for anyone, do they? No. But they might speak for the five blokes they speak to in the pub. So, yeah, one of the things I was quite keen to do is that it was a bit like the club said no one at the ground wants safe standing. So, well, when did you last ask them? How did you ask them? Yeah, so one of the successes, I think, is we've got a survey of, it was supposed to be of just the north and south stand. Ultimately, it seemed to have gone a bit wider than that. Is, yeah, let's genuinely talk to the sports about what they want. Yeah, if you want to stand in the north stand, and by the way, at the same time as standing in the North Stand, can we recut that into such a way? And I hate to mention the uh, another club in South London. Really? Could you create a fortress just behind the goal? Just relocated, haven't they? Of, of, of really passionate fans that you could get into a block. Yeah, if you want to stand up and sing your nuts out all, all afternoon, stand here. If actually you're in the North Stand because you're a bit of skin and you can't afford to sit anywhere else on the ground, but you really want to sit down because your legs are knackered, you know, then you maybe should be over here. And just have an honest conversation about what the real issues for fans. Is it around, do they want to stand, do they want to sing, are they there because it's cheap? You know, And not push anyone out. All of that sounds absolutely spot on, but in terms of you engaging with the club, yeah. how, how is that dynamic working? Do you feel that they're not listening? Do you, do you feel well, they are listening? So, when we, when we initially raised the, the subject of safe standing, they said, we did a survey and people don't want it. And I said, well, I don't agree, because I, I, through social media, limited thing, people do want it. Yeah. There's a, whole, there's a bunch of people who say, I don't want to say standing because it's going to cost money. I don't want to move seat. I don't want to be pushed out the north stand to the east stand and my season ticket price. But there was a genuine feeling I got. So, yeah, not my view, but of, yeah, I think 70-80% of people came back to me that they wanted to stand. They wanted a better atmosphere in the north stand. Um, and in fairness to the club, they said, okay, that... That isn't how we perceived it. But I said, well, hold on it. Last time, you season, you, you, you asked the West Stand and the East Stand. Now, mm. if I'm with my family in the East Stand, I probably, uh, yeah, I probably want to sit down. I, I don't want to stand up. And actually, if I used to be in the North Stand, but my legs are no longer good enough, I can stand up. And I quite enjoyed my seat by the centre line. Yeah. Yeah, so it was about asking the right people the right questions. And I think in fairness to them, you know, they, they didn't think there was a requirement for it. I said, well, let's ask, well, what did it cost to do a survey? Two-fifths of fuck all, actually. I think what was a little disappointing is we, we, they wrote the survey, we, we, we responded back on the questions, and you know, I was very much about that this is an opportunity to recut the roll stand, get a singing section, get an atmosphere going, get it really kicking as a, <laughs> as a group. And that's been lost a little bit. Now, whether or not, if enough people come back and said they want to stand, then there'll be a question around, you know, do we have a singing section? Do we move all those real nutters to yeah. behind the goal? Yeah. And let's really get that going. I don't know. So, but yeah, we raised the question, they listened, it's happening now 
yeah, I think we've got a meeting next week and we're hoping to find out the, the results of the survey. But, hmm. So, yeah, I, I think they are listening, but there's levels within the organisation that are listening to what you're saying. Okay, so there's some back and forth and there's yeah. some decisions might come over time. That's good. Overall, though, do you, do you feel confident in the process so far? Because I know a lot of fans have expressed... Dissent, um, discontent, whatever you want to call it, with the process. Do, do, do you see that this is a productive line of communication overall, though? Is that hope for it? I know that's a big question to ask you when you're on the ball, but. Um, I don't know what line of communications were before. Hmm. Um, Zero. Yeah. Hmm. You know, so. Yeah. I, 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 and I think. Part of our concern is, you know, having spoken with other clubs, that so, you know, Spirit of Shankly and, and stuff like that, Liverpool, yeah. at Leeds, at Leicester, Arsenal. So Arsenal have appointed what would appear to be a magistrate or Jay, um, a, a barrister, sorry. So someone who's really good at organising committees, running groups. I think they positively headhunted them. I don't know. You'd have to check. Um, so they seem to be coming out from a more strategic point of view. What the skills we need to gather this group together. Whereas, yeah, ultimately, we are a bunch of enthusiastic individuals who put a hat in the ring. Um, yeah, certainly when I put my hat in the ring, if, if I knew what I knew now, would I have done it? Maybe not. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think it's um, you're just the sort of person we need. I think that self doubt is is always a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I think it's a case of um, when I first signed up, I saw it as a role of wanting to do good and wanting to do the right thing in the club. Yeah. And the more I look at it, the more I, I almost see it as a political role, like a local councillor. Yeah. You know, in the. Um, what I really, what I should really be looking at is how do I get elected in two years' time? Yeah. yeah because it, yeah, it, 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 if that's what I'm about, I should really be going like, uh, if I'm all about the fab and my impact on it, really what I've got to do is look at, you know, two years' time, how do I get re-elected? And that's, that's not really what I'm about. I, I kind of, while I'm here, I'm going to try and do the right thing, I'm going to try and talk to the right people, do the right stuff. But I'm not looking over my shoulder at, Am I going to get elected to this time? Maybe I should, but... I, I think we've made a good start. We started with a blank sheet of paper. The club didn't trust us because of the two people who fell out. So we spent the first six months at least getting their trust on board. And now the operational level people trust us to actually respond and put something in sensibly the people higher than that at the board level I'm not convinced yeah but initially when the when the, you came to put your hat in the ring you're putting your ring in, hat in the ring for two years yeah well there's going to be two maybe three places up for election this summer so those people who think they can do better or have got some more skills and we're going to be publishing a job description as to what it means this summer so you're going to apply for that and, and you know people can do better great put the hat in the ring see how difficult it is that local councillor thing there's no glory in being a local councillor is there but you're in it to make it better my local councillor yesterday delivered the parish news by bicycle yeah you know, what a great bloke you know not only is he attending those awful meetings at 7 o'clock at night 
actually, when it came to delivering the, the, the news to a rural parish, he got on his push bike and delivered it and stuck it in the door. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, we have a, a weekly fab Zoom. Every Monday night, we have a meeting. And then when there's a, uh, a working party on ticketing or fan experience or whatever it is, we have a meeting with the club, you know, on Zoom. And then once every couple of months, we have a meeting with the club itself. It's not insignificant, the effort that's been put in. And, you know, you're typical listener to the pod might not appreciate that but there is stuff being done and we've had to like do it, spend a lot of time as I said just now getting the, the, the um, buying of the people operational into doing it but I think we made a good start and I think in the years to come when the fab is more you know established with people who've got more you know knowledge experience and what have you the club will take it more seriously and it'll be, it'll be worthwhile yeah. but I mean cast your mind back to years ago when you weren't even invited to have a thought it's got to be right exactly it's always better than nothing that's for absolute yeah. sure completely that can be the <laughs> line on the advert this week <laughs> it's, a, it's a sorry line isn't it but joking aside it, it is good that there's some levels of communication clearly Paul Barber anticipated this ahead yeah. of other groups joining in with the same thing that's fine and if, it's in response to the white paper from the government exactly yeah which and there's no secret that the club don't think it's important to have a uh, football regulator and so they're doing everything they can publishing the fan engagement survey which you'll see coming out or fan engagement what's it called policy or whatever it's called yeah where, plan. Yeah, where they are showing the government the football association whoever it is well, that yeah. we're already in touch with our fans Kerry Maguire is adamantly in favour of a regulator Paul Barber is adamantly against it we should get them on the same podcast oh yeah in the podcast <laughs> Arms. <laughs> the ports and arms. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm not sure. What an episode that could be. I'm not sure on the fan or regulation because what they regulate? Would they stop the Man City right? You know, case that's just gone on. The owner of Derby. Would, would they I think change? They've got, they've got to stop overt issues, but are the overt issues so bad that we need a regulator? Paul Barber says we, we should always be able to get our house in order. Clearly we haven't been getting our house in order, that's why the issues no, come up. We but have. Wait, but we have. Not, not, Be- we, not, we, not we as Brighton, but we Derby as... Derby haven't. No, no, I mean we as a, a, a country. Is that, yeah. A but football fan. Because football. of all, I mean, yeah. and 25 years ago, that bastard Could have been Archer... Yeah. We 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 were in the past. We've seen it at Wrexham, Cambridge. We've seen it Wimbledon. We've seen it Charlton, Coventry. I, I guess my chat. Wouldn't independent regulators stop those things? It wouldn't have stopped Derby. No, because that was a local fan of the club yeah. who just didn't know um, who he was doing. And, and I, I almost feel you're going to shift a bunch of focus to someone else who's got very little power to become some other political figure and not enough knowledge of the subject yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah unless you're pointing Nigel and then we're just going to be excellent <laughs> well <laughs> I, I, I have got some mornings for <laughs> Nigel has recently retired ladies oh, and gentlemen he is available for selection. <laughs> Not on Tuesday, so. <laughs> I know where you're going to be, and I'll be joining you for one of the a pint of. I'm, I'm uh, hoping yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, but 
joke of the song. So, overall, we think it's good that Fab is there. We think it's a positive that there is a a form of communication between fans of the club. Pretty, yes, pretty sure of that. Yeah. Do we think this is the best format of it? And if not, where do you see we need to improve it? Um, very much. It, it's early days, and I think I said that. Yeah. A, a, am I the best person on 1901 or 1901 rep to, to represent that? Probably not. I, I guess I was one of three or four that threw my hat in the ring. And all the time I'm here, I'm going to do my absolute best to do a good job of it. Um, I think it will evolve over the next three or four years. I think um, it, it, in some ways it's probably not the best time to be involved yeah, at the start of it. Because whilst it's yeah, it's very exciting and it's all new and um, the club are finding its feet, we're finding its feet, our feet, and I think it, it probably needs to settle down a bit more to understand what the membership should be, what their roles are, what they're really focused on. Because yeah, we get involved in an awful lot of things. From yeah, we, we had a catering committee meeting this week. It was absolutely fascinating, but... but as a fan of Rise of All, should I really be discussing what flavour pies we should have next year? Yeah. Well, you're presumably hearing opinions from other fans and you can put those forward, I suppose, is the notion there. But probably not enough, yeah, actually, yeah. I don't think I am, actually. And from the new catering manager, he seemed very switched on, he understood what his job was. Can, can he get people to pour loads of Harvey's before I come to the counter at three minutes to half time, uh, and he, he was a rather than serving them about ten minutes later. He was of the view very much he could. Um, it, yeah, it was interesting. I don't think I'm giving away crown jewel information here, but um, yeah, having had a conversation with him this week, clearly it was a guy who really understood his business. Brighton um, fans drink far more tea and coffee than they do beer at any other, every other club he's ever managed that was a shock to me would be um, cricket well I'm clearly nothing to do with these demographics cricket <laughs> <laughs> bit cricket football um, concert venues um, we drink far more tea and coffee than any other venue he's ever known he also said we're the politest fans so when our beer is poured with too much head the pies are cold um, the fizzy drinks are flat less complaints we, we are the politest people he, he, he cannot quite believe but yeah, fundamentally yeah, they put the same kiosk in every venue so yeah, there's not enough tea and coffee boilers because we drink more tea and coffee and that holds up a queue yeah, we got ten flavours of crisps, and yeah. So he was very focused on if we can do some things better. I oh, have two flavours of crisps, two flavours of pies, uh, less soft drinks, less sweet offerings, and actually, it might help people just get through those cues a bit quicker mm. and get the people that really focus on just wanting a beer and a pint a bit quicker. And not only that. As Paul Barber would tell you, if he was here, the more the quicker they can serve you, the more he can sell, the more money they make. Exactly, so it's, it's in their interest. Absolutely in their interest. Yeah. And I, I think some of that was a COVID hangover and you know, staff changeover and things like that. So, yeah, they're, they're, so whilst we had a really good conversation about catering, I'm not sure. Yeah, 
that's really a position of the fan. Ultimately, how, how do I get the input of 30,000 fans of what they want into a catering organisation? All, all you can do is talk to as many people as you can, can't you? And glean as much information, get as many opinions and project them over to to the powers that be in due course. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, but you end up with a you know, a couple of nutters on Facebook or Twitter that contact Yeah, you. sorry about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've blocked you now, Russ. It's fine. <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it is... And, and what, yeah, one of the challenges, I think, how do we go beyond those people? So people on Twitter and Facebook are very vocal. How, how do we go beyond those people and engage with more people and, you know, there's a noise around some of that. Stuff. And, yeah, probably the best thing Paul Barber said was on the first meeting was, yeah, if I'd have run the club on the advice of North Stand chat, we'd have been bankrupt and out the football league. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and it was actually, he sort of said that you have to, as a group, we've got to learn how to listen to the, the masses, but actually try and feel to what's important. And I think we're still struggling a bit with, how we get the communication from the masses and then how we filter what what is important and I, I, I go back to that election thing I, I don't want to rubbish anyone who con- if anyone takes the first time to contact me as an individual I feel I owe it to them I've been elected to do a role I feel I owe it to them to go back to them and try and give a sensible answer but at the same time there are people out there who have some very strange questions which probably don't represent the majority of the fans and you know how, how you close some of those things down but then focus on the important things yeah. Yeah. no I think that's fair enough and it's an ongoing process it's obviously it's a it's a work in progress it's going to take time to get the balance right we all know that Paul Barber does a brilliant job in terms of how he runs the club he's not going to be perfect nobody is but I think it's a valuable asset to have some fans who can give some input. I, th- I, I think it could be better, personally. Yeah, I, but I think that if you look at the really big issues, um, season ticket sharing. Yeah, well, I was just going to come on to that, yeah. And away tickets. Hmm. Um, I think as a group, we weren't particularly consulted on that. You know, particularly the away ticket policy, it's almost... The policy was created. Well, this is the issue, isn't it? You, you were saying you were getting communications, which weren't really saying, right, we're thinking about this, what do you think? You go back to tell them, and then they respond. It was more, they were saying, right, we're going to be doing this. We, we, we this tend is to, just a little bit of a heads up. Yeah, we tend to get we're heads doing up it anyway. that this is happening. Yeah. Um, That's think, where that needs to be improved, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, no, I think it's a good... But I guess you could say that happened, happened a little bit, so... Um, we had a, a, a really so based on our concerns around away tickets and on season tickets sharing I think yeah. Yeah, um, season ticket sharing Paul Barber has given a really good explanation on why that's set up we offered to then as a group we said, well, why don't one of us interview him as a, a podcast as a video interview yeah, because I, I, I think when you listen to him explain it I understand it and I get it yeah, you think, okay, but to me, somehow the communication has been lost a bit mm. between me having the individual conversation with Paul Barber and the average fan in the street mm. knowing what's going on. That's been lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think away tickets were a bit torn, really, in that um, I 
think there's a lot of people that turn up at away games and don't behave as we would hope people would behave. As, mm. you know. So I think we're a little bit... T- so how can you argue about the person buying the ticket sitting in that seat is the person they say they are? I think what's a bit harsh is mm. when you bought a ticket, you can't turn up because your shift has changed, because you, your kid's suddenly ill... You don't want that ticket to go to waste and you want to give it to a mate. Yeah. That's the fundamental issue, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we've, we've kind of, again, yeah, we've tried to lodge those complaints. And I, I don't think we've been received as well on that. But having, having lobbied the club about those issues and ultimately probably lost, um, yeah, they did come and talk to us about their season ticket renewal pricing, about how much they were proposing on charging. Um, and what we thought about that and then also with the recent FA Cup um, you know, do they offer season ticket holders the chance to buy their own seat or do people want to move around the ground yeah. Um, so yeah they were quite <laughs> for the first time they came and said this is our thinking what do you think about that and is that right have we missed anything so I, I thought it was really positive from them and from us that yeah, they valued our opinion on uh, as a fan, yeah, they were clearly saying that yeah, it's a large organisation, this is what we're doing, we've got to sell this many tickets in 14 days, we need to announce the tickets. Yeah. So there are a bunch of commercial pressures that you know, perhaps as an outside fan you understand, and Nigel might be able to comment more because you know, he's actually sat in the ticket office and worked through with some of those guys and girls. Um, but yeah, I think for the first, you know, on season ticket renewal and on um, you know, the FA Cup when they resold the seats it was quite interesting they, they did engage and they did listen and actually I think they were doing the right thing on both of those things and we endorsed it ultimately yeah I think the, the, the away ticket thing is a huge issue I think there's three or four dynamics going on there one is I, I know a number of people who live in the north and have been given tickets to go to games based on fans who can't make it the loyalty point system and all that stuff and I understand how you don't want to cheat the system by allowing people to get loyalty points when they're not going all that stuff but they're taking away a dynamic where those fans in the north have no chance of going to games unless they're going through a season ticket holder and then those season ticket holders are not available to go they offer it to their friends they and they take it up. Now, that, obviously that depends on what the game is. If it's Everton on a Tuesday night, you know, the fans of the North can top up their their um, loyalty points, no problem at all. What's frustrating is, for me, is, is fans that have been fans for many, many years, and they've gone through thick and thin, and they haven't built up a loyalty point system because they're... Um, you know, they can't afford it, whatever, whatever the reason. And they, they feel a bit isolated. I've, I've got friends of mine who live in Manchester who can't go to games. I mean, they've, they've gone to Everton on a Tuesday night, that kind of thing. But they've not been able to go to, say, Man United away. And it feels as if those fans have been disenfranchised a bit. Let me chip in if I may. Yeah, yeah, please do. In the first half of the season... Yeah. There was only one game north of London that didn't go to general sale. 
Fair enough. So yeah. there is no reason that anyone in the north who lives remotely couldn't go to Everton or Liverpool or Manchester City or Manchester United because yeah. those games all okay. went, all enough, went to general sale. Well, Fair that enough. surprised me. Yeah. When yeah. we sat in the ticket office and we sat in the ticketing subcommittee meeting and he said that, we kind of took our wind out of ourselves because those people yeah. who want a, you know, a special dispensation for living in the north, there was one game, I can't remember who it was. I think it was West Ham or something. I can't remember who it was. But there was only one game in the north which mm. wasn't open to general sale. Okay, fair enough. The, the other thing I would, I would throw in, and it's not for you, it's for Paul Barber, essentially, mm. but, but, but I'll, I'll channel it through you, if I may, is to do with, for example, the Palace game. At the weekend, a group of eight of us bought tickets, all in proper, proper, in, proper entitlement. Absolutely right. And one of, one of them had heavy flu. He knew he wasn't going to be able to make it. He lives in the northeast, so it was going to be a nightmare to come down. It was a big risk. He, he knew he, he wasn't suitable to come down to the game. Uh, he was. He, he contacted the club, and they said, uh, "Well, um, too bad, basically. Too, too bad, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Supporters club members are getting in touch with me saying, I can't go to West Ham because my work shifts at Worthing Hospital have changed. Yeah, too bad." Isn't that frustrating? Because you have a fan base of people who you can rely on and reference in the terms club, of loyalty the club points. Wish that it was a digital system where it was a, cha- a change. Cl- well, we, this we, is the we, problem, we isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. it isn't. And until such time, you've got a physical ticket that you can't put in someone else's hand. Well, I've, I've worked in ticketing in a previous job in the past, and the one thing that you have there is. You cannot allow multiple tickets no. to go into the into the ether. Yeah. You can have a ticket that goes out and it's lost, and then you have to have duplicates verified by ID at the door yeah. when you when you turn up at the ticket desk. That's that's the issue, isn't it? Essentially, here, only, and we, we're throwing alcohol into the only into a football. The yeah, because the guy who works in the ticket office, one of the people who draws up one of the managers there, he came from the West End, and he didn't have that problem. You know, if you couldn't go to he knows see the woman in black, yeah. then you could part, you could hand your ticket over someone else could go. But in football, because we are the antisocial problem, the yeah. the you know the Chelsea fans in the in the West End or wherever it is, we have to know who's sitting in which seat, yeah. and that is I'm afraid a throwback to the days. When you know we have to we have to worry about all that sort of stuff. We don't have to worry about at cricket, at rugby, at the West End, at wherever else it is. And unsurprisingly, where Brighton have led on the way ticketing, yeah. putting names and tickets, Arsenal are now following. Yeah. You know, and I think other than, and I, I, I think the, the shame is that we haven't got. You know, whereas you have to have a certain ground standard, there's a certain TV thing. Yeah, actually, if you're in the Premier League, we should just have a ticketing system. Home away, you know, and then on the morning when I can't go, I can just pick my yeah. ticket back and it can be able to get someone else. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's I mean, whether it's someone you know or whether it's someone on a higher allocation is up to the club. But the, the fact that there should be something in place yeah. is the key, isn't it? Even they wish so as well. They do, but, yeah, quite a senior member of... A sports association, and I won't mention their name, or, or, which is, yeah. but when I spoke about I might be going to Stoke on my own, said, don't worry, I bought a couple of spare tickets, you can come along with me. Mm. Now, you know, 
it's there's almost that you know, a, a, a twelve pound a head. They're you know, almost disposable, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. It's going to cost you fifty quid to get up there on a train or on in diesel. Mm. Yeah, actually, the twelve pound ticket is a, a disposable commodity. The, the pint, the pint is going to cost you as much as the ticket for the game. It's going to stop. And can I say at this point that apparently, if you don't go through the turnstile, you won't get the points. Well, according to the club. But. That, that, if you that, don't go through the turnstile, you don't get the loyalty points. But, according to the club, in relation you know, to this particular game. But yeah. that, that that is something we lobbied for. In the, they tried to do it at Middlesbrough because Middlesbrough was a five-point away game. Yeah. And they they kind of conceded that maybe they should give fifteen points. Yeah. But they only wanted to give points to people who went through the turnstile, rather than people who bought tickets. Like the Bournemouth game years ago. Did you go yeah. to that? Yeah. Where the stadium was half empty because people were getting twenty points for going, and then didn't turn up and got the twenty points. Yeah. And I can't believe, I cannot believe people would go to game for the points rather than watch a game. But uh, I can't. I can't believe. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't believe that. But, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. I, I think the point is that Middlesbrough couldn't deliver that ticket information yeah. so then they said it's a five point game so there's an unfairness in that but Stoke have come back and said we can tell you who's gone through the turnstile and the club quite rightly said okay if you can if Stoke can do that we'll award 15 points rather than five yeah. and that's the that's thing that's engaged what we've had and they've come back and said yeah fine we'll do that I mean that is good but having said that if you were up at Middlesbrough all that effort to go up and you get yeah, five points do you get versus points? Do you get away against the points? No, you don't, you don't, but that's, a, that's an element of it, though, isn't it? Is it? Oh, come on. It's I mean, a consideration. No, I, I think the consideration... I don't that's why you go, but I think it's I, I think it's it, a benefit you expect to get. There was a bloke on the Albion uh, Sports Club Twitter the other day said, I'm only getting five points for Stoke, I'm not going. Really? That's why you go, is it? For, for the number ten points? And if, I, if you know, yeah, I, mean, I, I can't relate to that, yeah. but... but if the ticket was 50 quid and you got 30 points... Would you go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, it's a... If it was three and you got no points... I'd and go. also, would, would you I've get it if you didn't turn up? I've got to leave work early. Actually, on the basis that it's going to go to extra on penalties, I'm now booking a hotel. So, yeah, it's probably a 250 quid night for me, plus a £12 ticket. Um, Five points or 15 points, what would make you go? <laughs> I'm going because... Yeah, I actually think we're going to win the FA Cup this year. Yeah, I do. Well, I really hope so, because I've got four-figure winnings on that. If I could say <laughs> I've been to some of the journey along the way, I couldn't make Middlesbrough. I was in Exeter. It's quite a long drive to get up there. Do you remember the 83 Cup final? <laughs> do you remember the 83 Cup final? I, I was watching it at home on TV as a child. You had to... At the Goldstone, you had a season ticket, and there was a, a, a tear-off bit of your season oh, ticket. And if you paper, it, I remember those days. If you had it from the Stoke <laughs> game, you qualified you for a season ticket. You go down on a Sunday, queue up and buy a ticket. Those are the days. Let's go back to paper. Pa- paper books and queuing up at ticket stands. <laughs> <laughs> queuing up around the block for about eighteen hours. Yeah, well, like Charles. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go. Are you are. Well, Nigel, Nigel, you go. Okay, so final words from you. In the, in the, in the true traditions of the, um, Brighton Rock podcast, somebody always has to piss off early, doesn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly do. They certainly I, I, do. I, I thought you were going to say stand or fall. You're actually going to say, I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, final word from you. So thank, thanks very much for coming on for your first... Wouldn't have missed it. Your See first, you in the arms. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we've forged a new relationship. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. I'll be there. I'll be there. Cheers, Nigel. Good to see you. And so we come into the final, the final straight. Here we are running towards the finish line. Clive and I, and we're talking about fab. We've been talking about fan interaction. Where do you think things could be better and worse? I, I'm personally, there's a big debate about drinking inside of the pitch. There's so many arguments either way on that one. Uh, bottle tops. I don't understand that at all. Have you asked Paul Barber about bottle tops? Yeah, uh, um, bizarrely enough. And so first of all, I would say we did, and it was the wrong question to ask. You know, if you got the chief executive of the club in a meeting with six people, do you really want to be discussing bottle tops? You know, I don't want to be discussing, but you know, should we be there? Yeah, I think ultimately we should be talking about the long-term sustainability of the club, how we make sure we're there in 100 years' time, what life looks like after Tony Bloom, and all those things. I think the other... Having then asked the question about bottle tops, Tony gave a really um, quite heartfelt, passionate talk about a child... Tony did. Uh, sorry, uh, Paul Barber. Oh, Paul, I was Paul, just saying, Paul. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Paul gave a, a, a talk about um, a, a child that had been hit on the side of the head with a bottle that had been thrown and I don't know if it's true or not but right along the, the view was if that bottle had had a top on it it would have taken this child's eye out and his view was they potentially saved the child's sight by having a bottle that didn't have a top on it because it's a different missile Hmm. And it's not that dissimilar to going to any other concert venue, West End theatre type thing where they remove bottles. Do, do you buy that as an argument though? Um, I, I don't personally. Having listened to it, hmm. I did. Uh, yeah, I sort of, when he, when he expressed that and he talked about the, the, the day of the match and the name of the child that had been hit and all this sort of thing and Skull and the side Personalised it. Yeah, there was. It's but quite, whether or not that's true that or not. It's a bit calculated, isn't it? I think what is disappointing is that that hasn't been communicated. In a, if that's true, communicate that in a better way that everyone agrees with it. Because the reality is there's a bunch of people now who want to drink lemonade who take their own bottle tops in and screw them back on the top. And they, you know, um, if you're going to be a, a, a coke-smoking idiot, you know, snorting idiot who's going to throw things at people, you're going to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the Alpine is really that sort of club. You know, the majority of home supporters near me um, are very unlikely to throw something into... Uh, so, I'm not sure yeah. about that Raymond guy, to be honest. Yeah, well, Raymond... He's, he's, he's a bit dodgy. I, I've got Raymond and Peter <laughs> sitting in front of me. Peter, with the... Uh, <laughs> when Ferguson was fouled against Liverpool, he stood on his feet for the whole three minutes, and had he had a bottle with a top on it, <laughs> he, he clearly would have lost that into the, onto the pitch, because that was one angry man. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 there's no doubt that, yeah. I've never seen you know, someone who looks so fucked off about it. It was like, yeah, a decision and what had gone on. It was really quite angry, but the majority of the time, yeah, I'm not sure why the fans are yeah, the bottle-throwing sort of thugs. And I'm, I'm, but 
to me it's a communication issue. It, it, if Paul would do a video communicating that issue, why they're doing it, that everyone could see, and then actually that stopped me getting, you know, ten emails a week around bottle tops, mm. yeah, which I, I haven't got time to answer. I'm not really interested. The club's made the decision. It's a safety issue. Then you know, kind of move on from that. Yeah. The other one, drinking in your seats. Um, yeah, or it's an emotive issue, isn't it? This one. I'm. Yeah, I, I, I attend quite a lot of rugby events. Mm. And, uh, so you're not a fan then, on that basis? Well, I'm not a fan of rugby. I, I, yeah, I, I grew up playing rugby, watching football. And um, yeah, in, in later life, I'd rather play football and watch football, I have to say. But uh, if it comes to a rugby match where every five minutes someone gets up to empty their bladder and then fill up with Guinness again... Um, drinking in your seats I can probably do without and I think there's the added dynamic of um, you can't score a goal without someone having a pint in the air I'm a great fan of that there was a guy who um, following the, 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 the knife attacks on London Bridge yeah. There was a guy shown running down the road holding two pints. And I think that beer should be... The ultimate English defence. Should be absolutely savoured and never spilled. <laughs> and the thought, the thought of throwing... Didn't, do you see off the terrorists without spilling anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I think he was running away, clearly, you know, but he, he wasn't going to He wasn't going to leave his pint, he wasn't going to ditch it, and if someone scored a goal... Defend clearly, the ones you love. He wasn't going to throw it in the air. And, um, but, you know, you, you can just see, you yeah, know... Some will score a goal against Palace and 40 pints will go up in the air. And do I want to sit in a lager shower? No. No, I don't either, to be honest. Um, but I, I think the compromise is the best one here, which is not to allow free fall to, to, to come and go, come and go, buy drinks when you want, because that's just going to be chaos all the time, people up and down, people up and down. Yes, they'll make more money, but it will be a shower of shit, won't it? But I think if you have a compromise where you're allowed to buy drinks until kick-off, five minutes before, five minutes after, whatever you want to call it, those people can take the drinks to their seats or standing areas. They will have that drink knowing they can't have another one. They'll have that drink over the course of the rest of the half. I think... Would it stop people throwing drinks in the air if you get a goal five minutes yes. after they've arrived in their seats? Probably not. If that's what they want to do. Personally, I can't afford to throw money away that easily. However, that's another issue. But I do think if you've only got one and that's it, and you'll probably drink it within about 10, 15 minutes of kickoff. That's that. And yes, you might go to the loo and come back, maybe even twice. That, that would be better than what you're talking about, which is just total carnage, where people can come and go yeah, and order drinks and throw them around. And maybe they don't give a shit about the cost, and, and that's where the real issue comes, because they can throw it around. What, what I don't want is one where people just get up and down all the time. However, what I don't want is to keep having to miss five minutes of the game in order to order a drink in time to drink it during half time because I can't take it back to my seat yeah, no, and finish the last third inside of the pitch and I'm absolutely especially when the bloody club doesn't pour the bloody drinks as I got in five minutes before half time for the Liverpool Cup match I think it was and they had nothing poured Harvey's, Lagers they had two or three points 
already poured. That was it. I, I think part of that is fans would then go, I don't want that one, I want a fresh one. And, and I, well, I maybe, but... That about for the catering. I, what I don't want is to wait nine minutes yeah. to get all of my <laughs> seven orders. There are now self-service in the West Lower and the North Stand. Yes, I'm in the West Upper though, Clive. Yeah, well, I think it's coming. So a child in two areas. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Yeah, but I, I come back to um, everyone wanting to enjoy a game. In, yeah. yeah. Do I want to take my wife and kids to Palace away? when people are standing all over the place, are falling over seats. Yeah, I saw a picture on Twitter this week of a, a lady in first day time. Huge bruise on this woman's leg. Yeah. I've got mobility issues with my ankle. I was born. I, maybe I should be ready to table. I don't know. I've never tried, because I bit of pride probably wants me to keep going. The reality is... When I went to Leicester, walked to and from the station, walked across London, stood up for 90 minutes, I was struggling by the end of it. The ability to sit down and watch a game of football away doesn't make me any less of a supporter. No, no. I think having somewhere where you can kind of go, yeah, here's an away end. Those you want to stand up and absolutely limbs when a goal goes in and I partly want to be in there, I have to be honest. There's also time for, you know, I, I've heard enough old supporters that said, I stopped going to away games because I couldn't, couldn't stand up. And I think, you know, it, as an inclusive club, we want everything, don't we? We want young kids to be able to go without hearing really filthy language throughout the event. We want people to be able to sit down and enjoy a game of football if that's how they want to consume it. And actually want people to have a pint if that's how they want to do it. And yeah, I think Brighton is an incredibly inclusive place around your sexuality, your race and all of that. And yeah, if we can just broaden that a bit to the way you consume a football match, if you want to sit down, yeah, you should be able to sit down and have a reasonably clear view of the pitch. Um, it's not a reason, it's at home and away, really. That's a good, that's a good uh, sentiment to end on, actually, to be honest. Uh, I think any, any Albion fans who want to go to Palace away should also be accepting of the fact that it will be a one-all draw. Yeah, and <laughs> four in a row. Oh, for God's sake! As long as you have your tetanus jab, it's a perfect safe place to go. <laughs> and on that beautiful note, I think we should sign out. Clive, you can join me on this one. So we're going to we're going to sign out by saying, "Stand or fall." Up the Albion. Oh yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.